When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Everybody just wants to be contented. Everyone wants to be happy. Right now is the most important moment. It's just so unfair on every child who doesn't have options. It's amazing how many unintelligent people look. They're all absolutely astonished at it. What is the matter with these people? We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Good morning and welcome to Monday's Opinion Line on this absolute scorcher of a day. Uh, We heard there in the news that the temperatures are going to be reaching 25 to 30 degrees in some places. I think Cork, high 20s, parts of the Midlands, parts of the East are going to be hitting over 30 degrees. And of course, Met Erin have issued a yellow status heat warning, which we don't often get in this country. Um, It's great to see, it's great to see the sunshine and so many people were out and about over the weekend enjoying themselves at the beaches and um, if you are going to be out today make sure to stay safe and um yeah, it's Fiona here with you for the next two weeks. PJ is on holidays. And if you would like to get involved in any of the conversations that we're having, of course, you can contact us the usual way, 0818-969696 or 0833-9696. We have a busy day today. Uh, coming up, we're going to be looking at the Healthcare Abroad Scheme and how it works. We we talked about that last week, but we're just going to be looking at it in some detail and how it works. Um, I'll also be talking to a female MMA fighter from Cork who's on the cusp of turning pro and if you're one of those people who doesn't naturally get a tan you might want to stay tuned for later on because we will be getting tips on how to make the most out of your fake tan so if you have any questions uh, you'd like to get in for us we'll be speaking to the tanning guru later on this morning. Of course there was that stabbing in Fitzgerald's Park over the weekend and I will bring you details later on of the Garda investigation and the numbers that you need to contact if you have any information that may be of assistance to them and our thoughts are with the victim's family. I believe that the teenager who was the stabbing victim was seriously injured in that attack but not life-threatening but it was um, a horrible thing to witness I'm sure for many many people there was a lot of people around Fitzgerald's Park yesterday uh, a family day and I will bring you details of that later on. 
Now, obviously, as we were saying there, it's great if you can get to the beach to cool off today and tomorrow. But what about people who have to work, um, and in particularly in conditions where there are no um, air conditioning? What are your legal rights? Employment lawyer Richard Grogan joins me now. Richard, good morning. Great day today. It is a great day, isn't it? Um, but not so great if you're working, and particularly if you're working in a place where there's no air conditioning. But do people have rights? Because we have been contacted by people over the weekend to say that they were working, particularly in um, shops here in the city, and there was no air conditioning. And they were saying it was, you know, that customers were leaving because it was so hot, but the staff were forced to stay on. Do they have any rights? Yeah, well, the legislation in Ireland is quite funny in the sense, well, it, today it's very funny. The um, legislation says that within an hour of starting work, uh, you have to be up to 13 degrees in the workplace. Right. Uh, and then it stops. So we actually have nothing in Ireland that covers maximums. Now, the, uh, the HSA guidelines that have come out have uh, said that if it's between 18 and 23 it shouldn't be over 23 in the workplace but that's uh, advice if I can put it this way it's similar to advice to say that you should wear a mask if you're on public transport Mm. it's not legally enforceable so unfortunately if you're an employee and you're you know you're sitting in effectively an oven of an office you actually do not have any rights to complain to the HSA about the fact that the workplace is just far too warm. Now, at the same time, employers do have to take that into account Mm. as much as they can. So then I suppose for an employer, they need to be seen to be taking reasonable precautions then to protect staff. Yes, well, I mean, some of it is just common sense. If you take, we say, somebody who's working in a shop, that you say to them, look, there's a bottle of water, have that at the checkout make sure that Mm. they've got plenty of water Um, try and keep doors and windows open so you know if you've got a if you've got a shop and it's got automatic doors that come in you know open the door and it might be even a good idea to open a door maybe at the back and get a bit of a breeze going through the place but technically there's actually no protection for employees and that's you know that's a problem we just really haven't addressed the issue of global warming and how it's going to affect offices and workplaces. And do we not address it here because we don't normally have these high temperatures and it's not something that we experience very regularly, so there hasn't been a reason to to bring it up? Well, over the last couple of years now, since, you know, 2020-21, you know, we we did get very warm weather. Now, 2020, uh, that was when the pandemic started and people were working from home. Mm. But Last year we got uh, we got a bit of a blast of it as well, and this year we've got a blast of it here in July. And uh, I, I noticed coming in today that the the top temperature in July ever was in Elfin in County Roscommon, which was thirty two and a half degrees Celsius, and that was back in two thousand and six. But the temperatures are uncomfortably warm in some places, and it's just a question that we do need to address this as to how we put in place procedures to protect. Uh, staff uh, working in premises because a lot of our premises just do not have air conditioning. A lot of our offices are old and you can't even put air conditioning into some offices. So there'll be some offices, we say in South Mal, that they're protected buildings and you can't stick a an air conditioning unit 
on the front of them or the back of them because it's a protected structure. So if anybody today um, was thinking, oh, do you know, I actually just physically can't work in there because of the heat um, and, and they're thinking of this morning contacting the boss and, say, and making a, a reasonable argument for working from home, but they don't actually have any legal rights around that. So if the boss said to them, no, sorry, you have to come in, then they have to come in. Well, they have to come in and look, the, 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 the boss's argument will be, so you have air conditioning in your house at home, do you? Yeah. <laughs> which the answer would be well well no yeah, yeah well so how much different is it going to be at home and they say well I could work in the garden and you say well yeah that creates this whole GDPR and confidentiality issues mm-hmm. if people are listening in on telephone uh, calls or looking over the the, uh, the fence as you're working on your laptop so it, it, there is as much a problem there in fact, working from home and sitting outside, the, the boss will be turning around and saying, well, what protections have you out there to make sure that you don't end up with sunstroke? So, I mean, unfortunately, this is one of these areas that we have this type of temperatures arising. They're happening more often. They will happen more often, but there's no planning put in place to actually deal with them. So we get the, the yellow and the, the orange warnings that come out. And I think today is an orange warning. And, but it's just a warning. Yeah. You know, you know, uh, if you sometimes feel like it says that there's a, that you're there and there's a sign, please do not jump over the cliff. Yeah. But there's no barrier, you know, so we, that's the problem. For employers then across the country today, I suppose it would be prudent for them to sit down with staff and, um, you know, maybe look at extended rest periods, encouraging them to take their breaks outside rather than inside if the play, if the workplace is muggy. Would you be encouraging employers to maybe do something like that instead? All I certainly would be saying to employers to say, look, if people are taking their breaks, tell them, you know, to go outside, get a bit of fresh air, try and find somewhere where you're in the shade and where there might be a little bit of a breeze. Unfortunately, we don't, we're, we're we have a, it's a dead day uh, in the sense mm-hmm. that there's no breeze. So that's a that's a, an equal problem. So, yes, look, a bit of common sense. Uh, you know, the weather will break and we'll be all back with, with our umbrellas in a couple of days' time. But while this goes on, yeah, please take care of it. You don't need somebody falling down because of heat stroke in an office. It's not good for business and it's not good for, for employers and it's not good for staff. Just as you were talking about that there, should employers be, be looking at their staff and saying, well, some people may not actually physically be able to deal with this because they may have a, a health condition or, um, you know, they may have a, a, a physical weakness of some sort. Like, can um, would, should that be taken into consideration then as well? well? Sorry, that has to be taken into consideration anyway, whether it's it's hot or it's cold you have to take into account any disabilities or issues that will that will arise which could be a health risk to particular members of staff particularly those who would have we say a health issue um or a, a physical issue or uh you know they have to take those into account and put in place the proper mm. protections for those individuals so there may be some individuals who the employer should say look by the way don't come in today you know today is not the day to come in stay at home okay 
So Richard, I suppose finally before I let you go, um, one of the key things there is that there isn't any legal rights, but employers should look at um, the situation and, you know, take people's health into consideration. And going forward, maybe it is something that we need to look at as a legal thing here in this country if we are going to be seeing summers where we're having, you know, heat heat warnings issued by Met Erin. Oh, sorry, look, th- this has to be addressed. This mm. is the this is this is the TDs and senators to start addressing these type of issues and bringing forward legislation to to cover it. We have the Safety, Health and Welfare Work Act 2005. We have the regulations for minimums, but nobody's ever addressed maximums and nobody has ever set out. If I put it right, there is no code of conduct which an employer can look at this morning and say, this is what I should do. And that's a defect. And as an employment law solicitor, my view on it is that should be in place for every employer for these type of incidents, which are going to arise more often that they at least have a code of practice, which we don't even have at the present time. Okay. Employment lawyer Richard Grogan, thank you very much for joining us on the Opinion Line to keep us up to speed with that. And if anybody has any tips on how to keep cool in this hot weather, you might get in touch with us 083 396 96 96. We have a list of unusual um, tips that we have discovered here on the Opinion Line and I will bring them to you later on in the show. Oh, excuse me, but if you have any of your own tips, you can let us know. Um, I did mention there before about that stabbing at the shaky bridge in Fitzgerald's Park um, yesterday. Now, Gardaí did issue us with a statement and they said that um, the incident happened at the shaky bridge at around half four yesterday afternoon. Um, a male youth suffered what's understood to be serious but non-life-threatening injuries. Now, Gardaí are carrying out an investigation into what happened and they're repeating for any witnesses to this incident or to anyone who has information to come forward. Maybe people were talking last night and they know um, what had happened on the shaky bridge yesterday at that time. And Gardaí are appealing also for any road users who may have camera footage, including Dashcam, who were in the area at the time to make this footage available to them. And if you want to get in touch with Gardaí, uh, it's Anglesey Street Garda Station who are investigating the incident and their number is 021-452-2000. That's 021-452-2000. The Garda Confidential Line is 1-800-666-111. That's 1-800-666-111. Or indeed, you can contact any Garda station. Just as we were speaking about the weather, uh, we did get an email from a listener over the weekend who said that they were at Fountainstown Beach um, on Saturday and they had parked up, gone for a swim and when they came back, somebody had parked in front of their car and they couldn't get out. So um, they just wanted us to ask people that when they are going to the beaches today to make sure that they don't block anybody else, uh, anybody in and be mindful of where they're parking because uh, there's nothing worse than coming back to your car and not being able to get out, particularly if you are in uh, a rush to go somewhere. Um, also, just to bring it to your attention that if you have a new smartphone or tablet, then grab the must-have app so you can take us everywhere. Download the Cork's 96FM app now and listen to your favourite shows on the go. And if you have a smart speaker, remember you can ask it to play Cork's 96FM. Cork's 96FM is the home of even more music choice, streaming online all the time. The Fitmix plays the best tunes for your workout and Cork's 96FM Hit Mix brings you the freshest new music non-stop. Listen on our phone app, play us on your smart speaker or go to 96FM.ie 
Now, Cystic Fibrosis Ireland have said that they believe the HSC are not able to negotiate fairly with the pharmaceutical company on the cost of a new drug called Caftrio, which could change the lives of some children, including Aideen Ikaila, whose mum, Breed, joins me now. Good morning, Breed. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well, Breed. Um, Aileen has been... um, Attend, 18, sorry, has been attending CUH since she was first diagnosed with cystic fibrosis at the age of five. And she's now um, mm-hmm. 11. Um, uh, this drug, Caftrio, like how, what, what difference would it make to Aideen's life? It, it would make a huge difference. All the studies show that it does make a huge difference. Um, it would make her stronger to fight infections. Um, it would help her to gain weight, to get a little bit taller, to catch up with her twin sister, who's a, who's nearly half a head over her. Mm. Um, and um, in, in the long term, it, it would stop scarring of the lungs, um, which means at the other end of it, that I suppose the life expectancy at the moment for someone with CF has is around 50. Um, you know, we would hope she would get that there and further. Mm. Um, so it, it would make a huge difference to her. Um, she hasn't been on any drug. Um, she's part of this cohort of 35 patients who haven't had a drug suitable for them until now. Um, and she, the drug is not being made available to her. And what's the issue around it? Why is it not being made available to her and these other children? Um, I suppose in January it was approved by the um, European Medical Agency for use for the age group 6 to 11 Um, and so it has been given to other 6 to 11 year olds within the CF community who have certain CF mutations so there's about 1,500 different CF mutations um, but there's a cohort of us, 35 of us who have rare mutations of CF and we were I think simply forgotten about when this portfolio deal was done in 2007 um, for the drug Orcambi. Um, so at the moment, um, I suppose this came to light at the end of April. We had been waiting and waiting for this drug from February, March. And then suddenly at the end of April, there was an announcement that our children hadn't been included in the original deal. They weren't going to get it until they were 12. So they, so it's, you know, once they're 12, they can get it, but under 12, they can't, even though it's medically approved for them. And it's currently at a stage where the NCPE is in negotiation with um, the HSE um, to see how much they'll pay for this or if they will pay for it. Um, and I suppose for parents, it's a kick in the gut um, you know, the rug has been pulled out from underneath us. We we haven't had any drug and all those other 140 children, it's fantastic that they've got it. We're delighted. Um, you know, we're a big family within the CF community, um, but it's just heartbreaking for us because, you know, w- there's a drug there on a shelf that we know works and we can't get our hands on it. Now, Aideen will get this drug in a couple of months' time when she turns 12, but she could have had it in May. And during that time, she's been hospitalised a number of times. And you believe that that could have been avoided if she had been allowed to take Caftrio in May? Yeah. So, I mean, she should, I suppose, if it had been given to us when, I suppose, the process was gone through, I I think she she would have had it in March. Um, And in that, since March, she had six weeks of antibiotics, which didn't work and then led to her being admitted for IV antibiotics. And like, who's to say that that would have been avoided? The cost of that hospital stay, the cost of those expensive drugs that she got um, through the IV would have been avoided if she had had access to this drug. 
Mm. So it's not just the initial cost of this drug. It's the long term um, chance that the children will avoid these hospital admissions, that they'll get to lead a, a more normal life that, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here now and I'm I'm. I'm actually sitting in my car talking to you and I'm looking through the window and my daughter is sitting down in the middle of an hour, an hour's physio, nebulizers um, and medical uh, and, and um, taking drugs this morning just so she can go about her day knowing that she did everything she could and I know she did everything she could to try and keep these infections at bay and to keep her healthy. It must be such a worry as a parent to, to be going through all of this. It, it's a huge worry. I mean, every little cold or every little sniffle could lead to something more serious, mm. um, which could cause long term damage to her lungs. And um, it's it's constant worry. And like you're, you're watching out for her and for her as a child herself to have to go through all this. You know, she had to be sedated to get a long line in so she could get her IVs. And, and for the rest of the family as well, you know, we're tied to a timetable. We have to be here in the morning. At the moment, we have to be here in the middle of the day so she can do another medicine in the middle of the day. And I suppose for the other children and her, you know, the summer holidays, you don't want to, you want to go away for a day and go to the beach for the day and mm. not be tied to, having to come home to do this and you know I, I just believe this drug has great there's been great research done on it. it it has given huge benefits to anyone who's been on it and it's there sitting on a shelf it's approved for use and we can't get our hands on it and it's stuck in a process within the HSE that you know obviously things take time and we understand that as a, as a, as a community but you know, we're three months down the line now and it's still at the same stage it was three months ago. They're still negotiating. They're still talking about it, but there's no answers coming. And while I'm lucky, she'll get it in a few months. There's other parents with six or seven year olds who are going to have to wait five years if this drug doesn't get pushed through. And we're just being left out. We're just being left out and it's not fair. The CEO of CF Ireland, Philip Watt, has said that their confidence is very shaken, that the National Centre for Pharmoeconomics has the capacity to act as fair judges in the pricing of mm. trio to 35 children with cystic fibrosis. Do you uh, share that? Do you believe that there, do you not have that confidence that it will be passed? I, I don't. Um, just Professor Michael Barry is, is, is leading up the NCPE and he made comments recently. I don't have the exact quote in front of me now, but just that, that you know, it, he didn't see the results um, from mortality uh, from a mortality point of view that this drug was uh, of enough benefit to pay for it. But you can't have those results. This drug has only been given since 2007. Like, you're not going to see that that kind of research isn't available. Mm. And and to us, it shook our confidence because we thought, you know, he was on the side of these 35 children who need this drug. And it was just a matter of, you know, looking at the data and making the decision and saying yes. But you can't put a price on that. Like I can't put a price. How can you put a price on, on Aideen's life and the quality of life that she could have and the beautiful life she could lead yeah. and say, no, it's not going to give her enough of a benefit. So let's just leave her without it. I, 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 that 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 has shaken our confidence definitely. And of course, I suppose the professor indeed has a very difficult job. And at the moment, we need to talk about the politicians and their priorities and what they're doing for children like Aideen. Um And Breed, like I was just going to ask you there. You were talking about you know the summer holidays. How is Aideen faring in this weather? Like, does the heat affect her? 
it would uh, we'd have to be very very careful um, to ensure that she has plenty of fluids mm. um, and we I would give her supplements then for hydration um, as well because the heat can really affect them so what would happen is and it, she would get dehydrated therefore the mucus that would build up in her lungs would be thicker and then it wouldn't come up as easy when she's doing her physio and then when it lies there it causes infection so there's a knock-on effect of all these things um, and you're constantly thinking about that and for her as a child you know I'm, I'm running around after her with a bottle of water and yeah. have you drank water have you drank water have you drank water you know it's um it's it's hard for her and yeah so we have to be very careful in this weather yeah yeah Thank you for joining us, Breed. Hopefully you'll get this issue sorted and indeed sorted mm. for the other families as well. Um, and thank you for sharing yeah. your, your own story and Nadine's story with us here on the Opinion Line this morning. Now, we were speaking last week uh, as news broke of the healthcare scheme the healthcare abroad scheme where people who are waiting for um, surgeries here in Ireland or on waiting lists can go to Spain um, and have that treatment done and we're all vaguely aware of how the scheme works um, but um, a new breed of companies has sprung up to help take care of the red tape and indeed financing of availing of this and one of these companies is HCA and we said we'd ask Paul to talk us through this Good morning Paul Good morning, Fiona. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for joining us on the Opinion Line this morning, Paul. Um, now, can you just talk us through this? Like, if somebody wants to avail of this um, treatment, like if they want to go to that fabulous Spanish hospital and have, like uh, Michael had um, his cataracts removed and we spoke to him on the show last Friday, what's the process? What do people need to do? Yes, thanks, Fiona. I'll, I'll try and make it very simple because mm. there does seem to be a bit of noise and stuff um, around. This is an EU cross-border directive that was brought in by the by the European uh, Commission in 2014, actually. It's not a new uh, law. It's been here since 2014. And what that states is anyone in Europe can go to another European country and have their um, procedure carried out. So for that means for an Irish citizen, we are entitled to go to uh, Spain or Portugal or Holland or Germany or anywhere to have um, any of these procedures carried out. So <clears throat> for argument's sake, uh, healthcare abroad facilitates that patient and we bring them to Spain to have a procedure that they might have been waiting two, three or four years here in Ireland. And it's, it's a really, really simple option. It, that's what it is. It's just an option for Irish patients. You don't have to go, but it, it, like... If you can uh, imagine someone sitting at home, they're waiting on a hip replacement for three to four years. In four to five weeks, we can have them in Spain, have the operation in a state-of-the-art private hospital in Spain. They can have their rehab and recuperation in Spain and be home and get their life back together. It's really that simple. Mm. It's, um, It's a fantastic opportunity for Irish people. And do they have to pay for everything themselves and then claim back or what way does it work? Yes. So what happens is under the EU directive rules, yeah, the patient has to pay for their own travel. So you will have to pay for your um, flights and accommodation. Now, healthcare abroad will meet you at the airport. We'll bring you to your hotel. We'll bring you back and forth to all your appointments. You'll have your pre-op, your um, consultation, and then any rehab and aftercare for a few days after your operation. So what happens, you have to pay up front under the terms, again, of the cross-border directive. Um you pay for the operation yourself because it's a, it's a private hospital. And then when you come home, healthcare abroad, fill in all the forms and all the documents because that can be a bit tricky for people. That goes into the HSE 
and then they reimburse, reimburse you. That usually takes about 12 to 14 weeks. And to make it even easier, we have teamed up with the credit unions to fast track some loans. Even if people aren't a member of the credit union, mm. we've uh, we've these state-of-the-art packages then with the credit union. So we can get you in, get get the, say if you needed to borrow the money and a little bit extra for your flights and accommodation, um, they'll give you a package that suits you. Uh, they pay the hospital when it comes back in 12 or 14 weeks from the HSE the HSE pays straight back into the credit union Okay so um, we thought last last week when we were talking about this that you had to be a member of the, the credit union that you had to have your own account so um, no. so you don't have to be a member you don't have to be a member. Again, that's something that Healthcare Abroad will help you with. Uh, we've sort of strategic partnerships with um, credit unions around the country. Uh, we get in contact with them. If you're not already a member, we will get in contact with them. We'll tell them, look, this patient has been approved for a hip or a knee or a soldier, uh, sorry, a shoulder mm. or cataracts. Um, they will loan you the money, pay for your operation and um, the HSE reimburse you. It's a no-brainer and... For, for people at home in pain and waiting lists, mm. I went myself, Fiona, I had a back operation, that's where I'm involved in okay. the company myself, I had a back operation, L4, L5, um, bulging disc and, and sciatica, and I was so blown away that I actually got involved, and um, I'm, I'm testament to the, to the, to the whole uh, directive, to be honest with you. I'm delighted to hear it, Paul, and, and everything's going well now for you. Fantastic, yeah. I was mm. back playing golf six months after my operation, thank goodness, <laughs> and I couldn't lift, it, lift one of my children. I would have given mm. one of my children away to, 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 to get back to life before. Yeah. It's, it's for anyone that's at home in pain and they're on a waiting list, it, this, it, you don't have to go. And there will be some people that, you know, don't want to go. And there will mm. be some people that might be unable to travel. But at least then we are also shortening the waiting lists for them in Ireland because we're actually cutting the waiting lists. And that's why we're working in, in conjunction with the HSE and with the, the Irish League of Credit Unions. And do people have to be on a waiting list to avail of this? Or do they have to, is there a time set? Do they have to be on a waiting list for a particular length of time? No, no, they don't. To fund it, they don't. There's two pathways. The most common pathway is literally we get a, a, a referral letter from your GP. That's where it starts. So okay. what happens is, say if you call me up, I say, hello, I'm chatting to you. Okay, what's the issue? What's the problem? We then have to get obviously get a consent form. So we send a consent form out to the patient the patient then will fill the consent form in and send it back to us. That gives us the ability to get, gather information on that patient. So we get in touch with that patient's GP. We get a referral letter from that GP. We gather all the patient's uh, medical history, their scans, bits and pieces like that. We collate them and we send them to the consultant in Spain. We send them obviously over Zen Technologies as a GDPA secured system. So the doctor, the consultant in Spain then has a look at your, your medical history and he goes, yes, this patient needs this done, that done, what have you. Uh, we come back to the patient then, okay, when we book your flights, when would you like to come out to us? They fly out. Generally, they fly out on a Sunday, generally. Mm-hmm. Again, depending, sometimes we'll help them with the flights are a bit cheaper, maybe on a Saturday or a Monday. You know, we work the patient, especially this time of year, flight can be, can be a bit expensive. So they come out to Spain, we will collect them at the airport. We will bring them to their hotel. Um, hotel is generally fairly close to the, to the hospital in question. So next morning, get up, we go up and they have their first consultation with the consultant in the hospital. We'll get a few tests done, a few bits and pieces. The next day is pre-op. Mm. Oh, I think we've lost Paul there, have we? And operation. Now, that's a bit generalisation there because it didn't. No, can you hear me? Yeah, the line is going a bit funny there, Paul. Can you hear Just me, before, Yes, I can hear you. Sorry. Um, but before you go, Paul, can you just tell us how people can get yes. in touch with you? 
the, be, the best and easiest way is the web, healthcareabroad.ie. Okay, healthcareabroad.ie. So if anybody wants to avail yeah. of this scheme, healthcareabroad.ie. Yeah. And, there's some, and there's some phone numbers there as well, Fiona. Just give us a call and uh, we'll help them out. Okay. And I wish everyone to get back to happy, healthy lives. <laughs> and as you say, you're an example of what can, what can be done, Paul. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Lovely. Absolutely. And thanks, Fiona, for the, for, the, for the chance to have a chat this morning. You're most welcome. That's Paul Byrne, Healthcare Abroad Chief Operations Officer here on The Opinion Line on 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 On Cork's 96FM. Just before the break, I was talking to Paul Byrne from Healthcare Abroad and Kevin says, aren't, weren't we promised a hospital in Cork to do these day surgeries a few years ago. We were, Kevin. And um, Cullen Burke TD has been campaigning tirelessly for that hospital in Cork and indeed he was, um, I suppose it's fair to mention that he was involved in the healthcare abroad scheme, getting it here in Ireland. It was originally for people in Belgium going to hospital in Northern Ireland or in in the Netherlands, but um, he campaigned to have it here in Ireland and we're seeing the benefits of that. We spoke to Michael on the show last Friday who had travelled to Spain, had his cataracts removed and just like Paul there is um, delighted with the scheme. So um, if anybody else would like to get in touch with that, if they have any uh, comments on or opinions on the scheme, it's 0818 96 96 96 or 083 396 96 96. Now, um, we might think that schoolyard bullying is over for the summer but support after crime services in Cork say they're being contacted contacted by teenagers during the holidays due to the severe impact of bullying. And joining me, joining me now is Director of that service, Sally Hanlon. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, Fiona. How are you? I'm very well, Sally. I'm very well. Thank you for joining us on the Opinion Line this morning. Sally, it's um, very sad to think that there are teenagers out there who can't enjoy their holidays because they've been so traumatised by bullying in the school and that they feel like they have to contact support after crime services for, for support and for help. Right. I suppose just to clarify, Fiona, the bullying did not go on in the school. Yes. Um, it went on outside the school grounds and outside school hours. Okay. Uh, but still by fellow pupils. Okay. And when that happens, obviously it doesn't get resolved. Um, it is reported, and I don't want to go into too much details in relation to that because yes, of course, still yeah. in the hands of the guards. But for those people, um, and I have to say again, they were hesitant in engaging with the service. It's their parents who were very worried about them. And naturally enough, the parents would be very worried about them. And Sally, so you were saying there that this happens, you know, outside of the school. It's not during school hours. So is the bullying still happening during the, the holidays then as well? Well, I, I can't give you a straight yes or no on that one. Mm-hmm. But I suppose the fear of it, Fiona, you yeah. know, if you've been bullied because a bully never works alone. They will always have a few with them. And these are premeditated, pre-declared bullying episodes or beatings that they will get. Mm. So they had lived on waiting for it to happen. And if it might sound funny, but almost a sense of relief once it has happened, thinking it might be over. 
But I don't know, is it ever over? Because they're all going to go back into school again in September. Yeah. And um, it's not its not the physical scars that uh, you're, you're dealing with. It's more the emotional and psychological impact that the bullying is having on these teenagers. Of course it is. And the fact that the teenagers who have been bullied will be acting out at home. They will be isolating themselves. They'll have a fear of going out again in public places in case they meet their bullies. But also, these episodes that we've become aware of mm. were videoed or whatever you phone recalled and put out there. Yeah, I was going so to ask you about that, me. Sally. Like, what kind of an... Um what kind of an impact now is is that having? Is the tech, use of technology during these incidents having? Because, as you say, people are able to video it and, and we've seen videos that have been passed around and shared on social media of, of young people being bullied. And, you know, I suppose that just heightens it then, doesn't it? It, oh, heightens it does, it. because mm. others, others have seen. Mm. And for the victim because they're not in a position to stand up for themselves, it makes them feel weaker yeah. and more vulnerable. And maybe more vulnerable that others might try the same thing. You know, it, it's just, I, I don't know why people bully. Mm. Um, as I say, they'll never bully on their own. They'll always have a few with them. They'll target one individual. And um, they, they, there's no reason there is absolutely no reason why they do it. But what I'm hoping to do uh, in September is maybe visit schools, talk about the effect of bullying, with the permission of the school, of course, mm. and the effects of crime. Yeah. And would these people like it to happen to themselves or to a member of their family? Because they would not. Because even though you said that these attacks didn't happen in the school, you do believe that schools need to take accountability to prevent crimes like this from happening? I do. Well, I think people need to be more aware. You know, we'll say teachers, and I know they've had a lot to do and they're mm. stretched to the last. But to be aware, if we all look around, we observe and we see things. Mm. And we see things that we feel and we know in our gut are not right. So if that's seen, maybe have a chat with the potential victim, have a chat with the bullies and see can it be resolved or mm. why before before it happens. Sally, apart from the school, like how much responsibility do parents have? I think parents have, have responsibility. I think that because in the instance that I know of, uh, the parents have been informed. What action they've taken, I don't know. Mm. Are they accountable for their children of 14 or 15 years of age? Yes, in my books. Mm. Um, so, like, again, it's it's just, I, it's like chicken and egg, Fiona, isn't it? Yeah. Where does it stop? Where does it start? You know, I think the biggest question for the victim of bullying is, why me? Mm. What did I do wrong? Am I different? Mm. You know, and they're not. They're just the chosen one for this adventure. Yeah. And 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 it persists. So like if you talk if you're told in advance that you're going to get a meeting 
Aren't you on tender hooks? Yeah. And you mentioned there about social media, Sally. Um, like we've often heard as well of um, these kind of antisocial gatherings being organised on social media. So do you think that parents, if they're going to be uh, taking responsibility for their children's actions, that they need to be more uh, mindful of their phone use or should they be like taking the phones off them during the, the holidays and after school? Or like, do you know, is there anything that parents can do in that situation? They should monitor the phones. Mm. I have a daughter and she has three daughters. Yeah. And her and her husband, they monitor the phones. And no phone goes upstairs after at bedtime. And they they just check the content, which I think is great. Um, and maybe other parents are doing it too, but that's my first-hand experience of it. And I was proud of them to know that they were doing that. Because you have no idea what's going to come in at you on a phone, as you are well aware from, you know, from the job you're in. So we have to try and pull out the stops to stop this, because it's horrible. And I mean, okay, we're dealing there, we're talking about bullying. There's other crimes against teenagers, such as sexual violence. There is. You know, I worry now, to be honest with you, school out, loads of free time, beautiful, blessed weather. People are going to gather in groups. There's going to be alcohol involved. Yeah. And if there isn't fighting, there's other activity. So, like, again, just know where your children are, really, I suppose, if you can. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's sad. And Sally, if somebody's child comes to them and says that, you know, they have been bullied or bullied or the victim of a crime, um, how can they get in touch with you? They can call us on, on 021-4320-555 and we will meet with them and, and talk them through what the process might be. Um, and, in, and if they wish... Uh, we can liaise with the Garda involved in their case. But there is a practice in place, Fiona, and I've seen it work wonderfully, where bullying was happening in a school. And the guards, the JLO junior liaison officers, arranged a restorative caution. There were five offenders and one victim. And they all met, the offenders plus their parents or guardians, the victim and mom and dad and uh, the JLO guards and I myself was present and it was talked through because again the fear of going back into school and, and whatever else so it worked wonderfully because eventually the victim knew why she was being bullied yeah they were jealous yeah which unfortunately is a lot of the time, isn't it, in these incidents? Sally Hamlin, Director of Support After Crime Services, thanks very much for joining us on the Opinion Line. And for anybody who may want to contact Sally, that number again is 021-432-0555. And anything that is um, spoken with Sally, of course, is treated with the strictest um, of confidence. Now, last Friday, um, PJ was talking to Tracy Newman, who was stuck at Dublin Airport, and she said that her flight had been cancelled. It was a system error by WestJet, 
and it was not Dublin Airport's fault. Now we did um, ask WestJet for a statement as to what happened and we got a statement after the show on Friday um, so I just want to bring that to you now. They said that several flights across our network experienced substantial delays including the WS5 from Dublin to Calgary as a result of a significant third party outage due to a train derailment in Western Canada which impacted WestJet's airport check-in, flight planning and payment services on WestJet.com. Our teams worked with all external parties to fully resolve this issue. However, the impact of this IT outage required significant manual overrides to support the check-in of their guests and to ensure the crews did not exceed their regulated duty time. The difficult decision was made to have the flight depart without several guests on board. Uh, WestJet go on to say that they recognise it can be frustrating when travel doesn't go according to plan and they thank their guests for their continued patience and understanding as they navigated significant technical difficulties across the network. Their teams continue to work hard to reaccommodate impacted guests to get them to their final destinations and they of course sincerely apologise for the disruption this has caused so um, I'm not sure if that's of any help to Tracy and anybody else who was affected by that but that was the statement that we got from WestJet on Friday and I just wanted to bring that to you today. Uh, just with regards to hot workplaces we were talking to Richard Grogan employment lawyer Somebody has been in touch to say we were told by our company that we're not allowed to wear job issued shorts anymore. Now, I don't know what um, that is in relation to or why you're not allowed to wear shorts. You're not allowed to wear shorts in the in the sunshine. That kind of seems an absolutely crazy um, rule to to imply, especially given this weather. And if you're working outdoors, you would think that shorts would be um, a prerequisite for anybody. But um, if anybody has any, as I said, any tips on how to keep cool when they're in the workplace, you might get in touch with us on 0818 96 96 96 or 0833 96 96 96. Now we were looking at um, the Daily Mail and they had some interesting tips on how to stay war- cool in this warm weather and one of them was wearing woolies in bed. Now it may not seem like an obvious choice but wearing merino wool in bed apparently draws sweat away from your skin leaving you cooler than if you were sleeping naked <laughs> which is uh, kind of hard to believe. Um, another one is to rub onions on your skin. Apparently onions can take heat and sweat away from your skin and red onions can also help with sunstroke or sunburn and they're also advising that you can gargle with toothpaste because menthol is used by top athletes as it sends a signal to the brain telling you that you feel cooler and it smells of course much more refreshing than onions Um, you can bake banana bread because not only are bananas made up of 74% water which keeps you hydrated they're rich in potassium so you may have some bananas that you want to eat today Um, also uh, chill your makeup Um, if you're you know if you want to put on your makeup today going to work um, an idea would be to keep it in the fridge because uh, when you're putting cool cosmetics on your face it can improve your circulation help reduce redness by shrinking blood vessels and tighten pores which in turn makes bacteria build up and breakouts less likely. And finally you can freeze a rice sock because unlike rice ice packs which can melt very quickly. Rice and other grains can hold their temperature for longer once frozen. So there's some of those ideas. I'm not sure if anybody has tried them. If they have, you might let us know how you got on with them or if you have any tips of your own, let us know 0818 96 96 96 or 0833 96 96 96. 
The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Some more of those tips on keeping cool in the hot weather. Uh, we may be tempted to spray water on our faces, but apparently green tea is much more effective because green tea contains vitamin E, which hydrates and stimulates your circulation and both will stop you feeling hot and sweaty. So the advice is to stew a green tea bag in some lukewarm water for a few minutes, transfer it to a spray bottle and spritz it on your face every two to three hours. Another one, uh, you know, I suppose with the hot weather, nobody really wants to be inside cooking a dinner on a day like this and barbecue sales have gone off the scale altogether Um, but we're being told that it's maybe not the best idea because meat heavy meals are a bad idea in heat wave due to the significant amount of digestive power it takes to process protein such as red meat and cheese in the body digestion creates heat in a process known as thermogenesis and this heat makes the body warmer from the inside out so maybe having a barbecue is not the best idea you might be better off sticking to a salad. Now, um, also with the Best of Cork Awards. The Cork's 96 FM Best of Cork Awards. With localheroes.ie for trusted tradespeople with a 12-month warranty backed by Board Gosh Energy. It's about damn time the nominations are now closed so listen across today from 6am this Wednesday July 20th to see if your favourite has been nominated this year there's also a 5,000 euro media campaign from Cork's 96FM up for grabs the best of Cork awards with localheroes.ie your place to find trusted gas boiler installers plumbers electricians and much more only on Cork's 96FM and thanks, of course, to everyone who voted in the Best Cork Awards this year. Now, uh, joining me now is Timmy O'Driscoll. Good morning, Timmy. Morning, how are you? I'm not too bad. Uh, Timmy, you came across an incident in Owen Ahinsha where a young person uh, was drowning in the sea. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was sad, yeah. Okay, tell me what happened. Uh, we, we went up to uh, myself and the girlfriend and the, the kids stayed in the Clannacilty uh, Hotel and we just you said we're going to the beach, right? We're going to go to Inchidani, but I heard about all the stories about that. And I, go, I said, no, we're going to uh, own Hincha. Mm. So we went to own Hincha. That was a grand. I know you have, uh, when the tide goes up there, you have two beaches that they break. Right. So we're on the far off left one. And uh, the water was a bit rough water and the waves were huge. Mm. So um, we kind of stayed in between the flags. But I was watching these two young fellas and the father and they were Playing in the city, no, like there was no problem with them. Yeah. But they started going out. They started going out further then. But the lifeguard, I say, he he was, he was at the spot in them, like, and he told them to get in. So they came in. I was watching all this going on. I was sitting down on the, on the sand, like, yeah. and the girlfriend was watching the, the two kids. So they were told to come in, so they came in, and they were playing ball, them to dead. So they decided to go back in. And that's that's when it all happened and it all kicked off. Because the, the, the lifeguard, the, the lifeguard walked away down the end of the beach. He kind of went off. Doing his own thing, like you know. Yeah. So one of the the young fellas got into difficulty, and then the father wasn't able to swim, so he couldn't go in to save him. So you you no. ran into the water, and you were able to save him, thankfully. I did. I, yeah, I was sitting down, and uh, I I seen him going under. Like his dad was calling him out because he 
he he he he's been dragged out like by the by the the count. Mm. So I seen all this going on, and he went down, and the minute he went down, I took off. I just got up off, got up off my, uh, got up off the beach, and ran, R- ran for road. I didn't think to, didn't uh, think twice, just ran. It's like some people, I know some people were freeze, looking at us, and uh, I just went over my head, and I took off down the beach. And when you were in the water, Timmy, were you able to feel that really strong current? I did, I did, yeah, because. When I ran, when I ran the beach, I, I dived in, dived in, and uh, I swam up to him, but I couldn't, t- I couldn't hit the bottom. I couldn't even tip the bottom. Jeez. We, we were so out. Yeah. And I, I, I said to the other because he was going under, like, and I kept pushing him up. I goes, you need to swim. I goes, he, I goes, either that, I goes, two of us again. Yeah. I goes, you need to swim. I goes, sure, he couldn't swim, like he was exhausted. She got him. God. I say he was about eleven or twelve, in there. Mm. But uh. So as I was dragging him in, I was swimming with one hand, and I had him by the hand, and I kept dragging him up. But he was he he kept going under, like I kept pushing him up. And I seen a wave coming in. The minute the wave came in, I caught him, and I just went, I don't know, I just got my strength from somewhere, and I pushed him up on, onto the wave, and the wave pushed him in, and I swam in after him then, and uh, I tried to feel the bottom. And thank God, we felt the bottom. So I I picked him up and we walked in. It must have been terrifying I, I for yourself and indeed for him and for his poor father standing on on the side as well. It was, it was. Yeah. You got him because, like, as I was running down the beach after the young fella, he, his dad was looking around for the lifeguard. The, the lifeguard went off wandering. He, he went off down to the other side of the beach, like you know, he was mm. doing, he was doing his own uh, routine. Yeah. But I tell him, he never spotted the young fella, like. But the dad was screaming. He was kind of giving out. I think, Timmy, like it just, doesn't it just go to show the importance of, you know, staying safe, being aware of the water safety and indeed of having lifeguards on the beaches in Cork as well? It is, good. yeah, yeah, 100%, yeah. Yeah. But thank God, then the, 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 the lifeguard came over the station then and he came on, he goes, thanks a minute for that, but he goes, for one few, he goes, I'd say he'd be gone. Yeah. Well, well and done, Timmy. Good I deed. There, he was a good deed done as well. Mm. And um, I am sure that the father was very thankful as well. He was. He was delighted. So he, he couldn't. He couldn't praise me. And the lifeguard was well up on top of it. Yeah. He was delighted. He was did a brilliant job. He goes fair play, yeah. fair play, Timmy. Thank you so much. It's a great job that you were at the beach and that you were able to help out. And you know, we did have somebody here from Water Safety Ireland on the show last Friday giving advice, and they were talking about that hold hands program, where you know, if if children in particular are in the water to make sure that they're holding their parents' hands at all times and you know it's supposed to be aware of the beach that you're at some some seas have uh, strong undercurrents and may not be visible from the, the surface but uh, I suppose a, a knowledge of, of where you're going um, and of course to um, swim as Timmy was saying there at the start where there's uh, lifeguard flags, the yellow and red flags that you see on the beach to try and swim in, in between those and uh, you know, it's just a lot of people will obviously be flocking to the beaches over the next couple of days. So uh, just to, to stay safe and, uh, you know, thanks to Timmy. I'm sure that that young fella's family are very, very grateful to Timmy for his actions today.
Um, just with regards to keeping cool, we were talking about some strange ideas and Robin has been in touch to say Fergal's dead right about the hot drinks. It's because it makes the blood vessels dilate and cold drinks make them contract. But here's a better one. Hot spices. Try cane because it makes you sweat as well as dilating the vessels. And that's true, Robin. Um, you often hear of people eating really hot curries to try and stay cool and it doesn't seem like an obvious I- idea, but, uh, you know, look at people in hot countries and they eat curries and uh, you know chilies and things like that to, um, you know and, and it does keep cool but uh, you know and it's like the, the tea um, I think people would be tempted to have uh, a cold drink of water but um, I think I think in particular I was reading somewhere there that ice cold water may not be the best thing to drink if you're really really hot um, so yeah Fergus right cup of tea you can't beat it and Trina's also said you can't beat running cold water across your wrists um, and that's true. Thank you very much for that, Katrina. Keep your um, tips coming in on how you keep cool in this hot weather. 0818969696 or 0833969696. Now, also last week, we were speaking to a number of parents on the show about the Stepping Stones preschool in Farron Um It was announced all of a sudden that it was going to be closing and parents are going to be protesting outside the facility this morning. Morning, Sarah. Good morning. Good morning, Fiona. How are you? I'm not too bad. Sarah, is the protest still happening today? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, of all the days, of one of the days of the year so <laughs> far. Um, so we make sure all the kids are are, are well done, Greener, and have had some drinks. Yeah, we're still going ahead. Um, today at half one outside um the play school, Farringry um stepping stones. You know, just to try see if there's anything more that we can do. Um, just to try keep it open. Um, Thomas Gould is going to be there. Um, trying to help us out, and we're just looking for the community, you know, just to rally around us, mm. um, just to try to keep the support and the momentum going. Um, you know, it's kind of been hard to get more information in the last few days with the weekend and stuff and just offices being closed. Um, so we're hoping um, in the afternoon today that we'll get more answers to see if there's anything we can do to try to keep it open. Stepping, the Board of Management of Stepping Stones did issue us with a statement and we read it out the other day yeah. on the show and you heard that statement. Um, like They did yes. say that they were available to talk to parents but that nobody contacted them um what did you what was your reaction to that I was a bit annoyed I will say because when we got the letters um I've sent a number of emails and I was calling um texting the numbers that we have and it was actually the only person that got back onto me was one of the teachers mm. that was all I still am still waiting on a call back um from the board of management I have all the emails you know I have all the calls I took screenshots of everything um so that was a little uh, annoying for them to say that when out of the 30 kids that are there apparently they only contacted one or two but as I have still have not had any contact from them um like I think at this stage you know like it's fine the board of management is stepping down our concern now is to try keep it open and get a new board of management you know mm-hmm. um so that's what we're meeting this morning to see if um you know Thomas Gould can kind of help us if Cork City Childcare can help us you know we've been on to the Department of Education to try and get answers but it's just very very hard um 
to try get this kind of all together, especially during the, the summer holidays. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So like, as you can imagine, like where all the parents are still ringing around places, trying to get their child's on waiting list. And then the issue is that, you know, if they don't have morning slots, they might have summer afternoon slots. But then that's parents having to rejig work. Like if you're dropping your child off to school at nine o'clock, you're heading to work at half nine. How are you going to leave work at, to bring your child to an afternoon session at half 12 and collect them at half three? You know, mm. all of this has to be factored in. Um, when picking places and stuff like that um, like I did get onto one wait list but the play school is 40 minutes away so I have to factor in that 40 minute drive yeah. you know in the morning and trying to get someone to collect then you know um, it just it, it just is after causing just a whole load of problems um, so again we're meeting today at half one at the school um, and we're just trying to hopefully try get some more answers um, you know it to see if we can do anything to, to keep it open And Sarah it's great that you're able to, to talk out about this and to help organise the protest but isn't it terrible that you know during the, the holidays and we have this lovely weather um, and you're taking all of this on uh, as well as all of your usual parenting as well. I'm sure it's a situation that you never in a million years imagined you'd find yourself in. No, like you read of all the horror stories of what the education system was like in the school and parents having to fight for places for their kids. Like, you know, I didn't think I would have to be doing it at, when he's only three. Um, like I knew maybe down the line, you know, trying to get into schools and stuff like that and keep funding and stuff. You just, you don't until you're actually in the situation. Um, you just don't understand how maddening, how frustrating it is. Like we, we happened to be away for the last few days and you just, you couldn't relax. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we were all like, you know, I was constantly on the phone, like to yourselves, um, to all the other parents, you know, we have a WhatsApp group um, and a Facebook group with them and we're all back and forth with ideas and, you know, trying to get stuff organized and stuff. Um, so it is like, you know, we went away for two days to, to, to try and enjoy the, the sun and have a break and you just have this hanging over your head. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't have a place for my child to go um, in September. And like they know they're going back to school because we had bought like the new bag and the new lunchbox and mm-hmm. he's all excited and he's he's like it's the middle of the summer he doesn't understand that like school is on holidays and he's like when am I going back to see my friends and we're like do we explain to him now that look you might not be going back you might not have to go to a different school mm-hmm. and make new friends and things like that and he's kind of looking at us going no 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 I'm still going to my school I'm still going to see my friends so you have that as well um and it's 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 very sad like you're kind of like you're almost kind of holding back tears looking at him going oh god no, like, I can imagine. do we do, do we like do we prepare him now um you know and talk about it over the coming summer or, or do we wait and see but then I don't want to throw him into a situation the first week of September where it's a brand new school and we're we're starting all over again you know yeah. um so it is it is it's it, it, it's very maddening um that something maybe could have done a bit sooner and now we're um you know really scrambling to try get stuff organized in, in the middle of the summer when, when, when things close down like yeah and the board of management did say that you know, they were contacting other providers to try and take over but that the, it all fell through but I know that yeah. one other provider in the area has come forward since then and has said that they did yes. try to uh, reach out but we're trying to get some clarification in relation to that and we have issued or we have asked for another statement from Stepping Stone so we will let you know what um, the outcome yeah. of that is as well. We're, that um, that other um, preschool is actually coming to support us this morning. Right. The owner of that preschool is going to be there um, to support us um, as far as I know she hasn't got an answer back as of yet. So again, you know, if there's someone willing to take it over and to take it on um, and keep the service um, mm. in the in the north side for all those kids, it's great. But again, she's coming up against roadblocks, you know, from 
from everywhere again. So that, again, is very frustrating when, you know, it could be a very simple solution. But again, because of all the red tape, um, yeah. we just don't know. But they are they are coming to support us today, which is great. Um, so hopefully we should have kind of more answers um, in, in in the afternoon, you know, um, and I just want to say as well that Forest Prince um, on the Old Manor Road is actually giving us posters. Um, Dennis um, has donated posters for us as well, so I just want to say a big thank you to them as well for that. Okay, lovely, Sarah O'Donovan. Thank you very much for joining us on the Opinion Line this morning. And that protest, of course, is half one outside Stepping Stones in Farnley. Now, just um, it was brought to our attention there this morning that Gardaí are seeking the public's assistance in tracing the whereabouts of a 13-year-old from Cork called James Reynolds. He went missing from the Grand Parade in the city on Friday. Um, he's described as being six foot in height, of strong build, build with short brown hair. And when last seen, James was wearing a grey jacket, black tracksuit bottoms and a grey jumper. Anyone with information on James's whereabouts is asked to contact Anglesey Street Garda Station on 021 452 The Garda Confidential Line is 1-800-666-111 or you can contact any Garda Station. That's James Reynolds um, and he went missing from the Grand Parade in um, Cork on Friday. 13-year-old James Reynolds so hopefully he is found safe and well over the coming day. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yes. Now, it might be difficult to stay motivated in work during the hot weather, but what happens when this lack of motivation becomes an ongoing product problem? Joining me now is wellbeing and productivity coach Neve Brady. Good morning, Neve. Good morning, Fiona. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Uh, Neve, I know a lot of people, especially today, it being a Monday and we're in the middle of this uh, scorching hot weather, probably are feeling very, uh, not very motivated in the workplace. But what exactly is productivity paralysis? It's not just the odd day of lack of motivation, is it? It's absolutely not. And I think we can be forgiven today and tomorrow for doing less than we plan to do because the weather is just gorgeous. I'm mm. doing light work myself. But productivity paralysis is a bit more serious. It's when 
you are feeling overwhelmed with too much to do and not enough hours in the day to do it so you don't get anything done um, and it's not just work stuff so you might have a long list of things to do in work and then you might be trying to organize the house and get the garden done and get the school stuff bought in advance and there's just so much going on that you don't know where to begin and you just feel paralyzed um, and that's the way the best way to describe it. And Niamh, like, you know, you often hear people say, you know, oh, make a, a time plan for yourself. Um, but like, would that, those kind of things, productivity tools, is that going to help the situation? Or do you look at it and say, oh, that's just something else that I have to do? Well, that's it. You see, sometimes even doing that is another thing. And if you get out the piece of paper and you try to put everything you have to do onto the page you could end up feeling more overwhelmed you know and that's not what we want Mm. and so I actually ask people to do the complete opposite to get really back to basics and to focus on doing less so Fiona if you came into work tomorrow and you didn't know where to begin and you were feeling really stressed (laughs) that's me every day (laughs) right well in the morning Fiona right in the morning when you come into work you know just take five minutes and say if I do nothing else today I will do this one thing and just pick one thing yeah and start with that and the reason that helps is because one thing is achievable everyone can do one thing in a day um it's going to be your most important thing because if you can only choose one you're going to pick the one that's most important to you and once you get that done then you'll get that feeling of oh that's done now maybe i can do another one thing and um the second thing i recommend people doing is as much as possible go to pen and paper you know, try to stay off multiple tabs and big digital to-do lists when you're feeling overwhelmed. Just go with the pen and paper, keep it simple, you know, and go slow and steady. And that will allow you a chance to calm down, to see that you are making progress and just to break that paralysis feeling. And Niamh, why would somebody um, get this productivity paralysis? Like, is it that they don't enjoy their job or is it just that they have um, become overwhelmed or that, you know, they have found themselves in a different kind of stage of their life and they're unsure of where they're going? Like, is there a reason for it? Yeah, like, so I'll just give you a personal example. There's two times in my life that it really hit me, you know. So the first time I was in my mid-20s, um, I was extremely ambitious. I had got a job that I probably wasn't qualified for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was trying to prove myself. I had that imposter syndrome, which meant I was taking on loads of work, trying to keep up with everything I could do in the workplace, then trying to keep up social life and trying to keep it all going, you know, and not giving myself any break and setting really unclear expectations around what I could do and what people actually wanted from me, you know. So one day I walked into the office and I sat down and I literally couldn't do any work. And that's where the term came from. I was paralyzed Mm. the second happened when I came back from mat leave after Emily my firstborn and I was sitting down in the office and I was thinking should I not be at home but when I'm at home I think I should be here and there was so much going on you know in every part of my life that I didn't know what was most important to do that day yeah you know everything kind of came coming in so I suppose the answer is that it's nothing to do with whether or not you like your job it's to do with the amount or the volume of stuff that you are putting on your plate and often it's you setting too high expectations for yourself and not others although there are times of course when people do lay on the work for you but a lot of the time it's us um just putting too much on our plates and then overwhelming ourselves with it it can happen at any stage 
so should you go and talk to your boss um, about it? Because, you know, if you're saying that you should set yourself a goal and just do one thing today um, and then your boss comes at you and says, like, why didn't you do X, Y and Z? <clears throat> and that's going to make me feel even more overwhelmed. So, you know, should you try and go and talk to your boss about the way you're feeling? Yeah, no. People listening would say that's fine to say in theory, but in practice, it's difficult, mm. you know. So when you do the one thing, you'll probably end up doing two, three, four, five things, right? So you wouldn't be too worried about only only sending <laughs> one email in a day, right? That's not going to happen. Yeah. But um, like I always think that sitting down with your manager and having a practical conversation around your workload is helpful. Now, it's not easy to do. It really depends on the relationship with your manager. So what I'd say to people listening today is I have a template a really practical template that takes all the emotion out of it and just focuses on the work. So if anybody is struggling with it, they can, um, you know, drop me a LinkedIn message or go onto my website and ask for the template and I'll give it to them Hmm. because it's not always an easy conversation to have. It's all well and good to say, sit down with the manager, but sometimes it's hard to even know where to begin. If you're feeling a bit overwhelmed, if you're feeling a bit paralyzed at work, you're probably going to be emotional as well. Hmm. It's hard to know where to start. So having something black and white is sometimes easy to help with that. Neve, you said in your blog that one of the most effective things that you can do is ask yourself a question, and that is, who can I help today? Um, Which kind of seems strange in a way that, you know, you're trying to help yourself, but you're looking at how you can help others. So why would you advise somebody to do that? Like, what are the benefits of asking others, how can I help you when you're trying to get out of your own uh, productivity paralysis? Yeah, so there's a couple of benefits to it. And as you said, it seems a bit in reverse, doesn't it? Yeah. But first of all, you're taking the attention away from yourself for the moment. So you're saying, do you know what? I'm going to park my big list and I'm going to help somebody else who's in need. That gives us a lovely feel good feeling. Um, you know, it helps us to build that connection with the other person, but it also gives us a break from our own work. Mm. And when we're helping somebody else, it just gives us a chance to think differently, to let the brain rewire and to come up with new solutions to our own problems and a real, you know, step away from our own workload. And of course, like when we help somebody else, it's not just a thing on a to-do list. We get to see that person's reaction. We get to feel that sense of, you know, joy that they, they are now better off. And in return, in return, you can ask somebody to help you. Oh, I like it. So now that you've given help, you feel more able to ask for help in return. And now we start really moving forward. One of your, finally, before I let you go, Niamh, one of your favourite mantras you say is embrace the good days and accept the other days. Yeah, look, you know, once upon a time, I thought that every day should be a perfect day at work. And well, honestly, then I had two children in COVID. Um, so, uh, so now it's like on the days that you're feeling good, go for it. You know, like get stuck into the list. Do, you know, get loads done. Don't forget to get out for a lunch break, especially in the sunshine. But on the other days, just accept it. Say, if I could only do one thing today, what would it be? You know, stick to pen and paper. I help someone out. And then at the end of the day, just draw a line under it. Draw mm. a line under it. And tomorrow's a new day, you know, and don't be so hard on yourself. Love it, Neve. Thank you so much for joining us. That's well-being and productivity coach Neve Brady. Are you suffering from productivity paralysis? Are you feeling that you just can't motivate yourself? You might get in touch and let us know. 0818969696. And that is Mumford and Sons with the Cave on the opinion line on Corks 96 FM. Some of your uh, how to keep cool tips. Rory says it's too late to get one today, but hop on the 
internet and get yourself an ice vest. You'll never look back on a hot day. It's like a body warmer you fill up with ice cubes. Wow, Rory, I'd love to <laughs> invest in one of them. I didn't even know that one of them um, existed. An ice vest, I'm definitely going to be looking into getting one of them. Uh, for the next heat wave that we have, obviously it's too late now, as you say. And Pat Courtney says, I do the same things as I did during the four-month heat wave from 2018. Did we have a four-month heat wave, Pat? I don't remember that. Uh, I wear shorts and a t-shirt. I see some elderly lads have even taken off their sports jacket but are still wearing their shirts and jumpers. The summers must have been really hot when they were our age. And indeed, Pat, uh, myself and Fergal were looking at photographs of people in LA in the olden days when it was roasting hot and they were walking around fully suited and booted. So uh, some people are, are well able for the heat and other people aren't. Um, and I'm not sure if Kerry-Ann Vernon is well able for the heat um, MMA fighting in this heat. Kerry-Ann, good morning. It must oh, be a bit of a struggle. Ah, <laughs> uh, not at all. We love the sweat. We love the sweat. <laughs> <laughs> Kerry-Ann, uh, thank you for joining me this morning on the Opinion Line. Uh, you are the Irish Bantamweight champion in MMA and you currently have two world silver medals from the International Mixed Martial Arts Federation, which is amazing. So congratulations on all of those. And how did you get into MMA in the first place? Uh, well, I, I come from a, a family of boxers, so I've kind of like always been into boxing and that kind of like, you know, came with me through my life. And when I was studying in UCC then, I took some kickboxing classes, kind of went back to boxing and then my boxing club closed down and I was working security with a, a, an MMA fighter, Ryan Splan. Um, and he suggested that I come over to the dark side of MMA and well, it was it was the best thing I ever did. But uh, yeah, I absolutely fell in love with MMA. And what is it about MMA that you love so much? Oh, God, where do I begin? <laughs> um, well, you see, like when it comes to sports, like it requires a certain amount of discipline. And I, I, I love discipline. So and I love studying. And so like coming from a, a striking background, I kind of like had so much more to explore with the grappling side of things. Mm. So in particularly with jujitsu, like everything is like so strategic. It's like a game of chess almost. Do you know, the, it's like it's like a learning a language, if anything. And it can be done in a very kind of like a studious academic manner. So I like I really, really really enjoyed kind of learning that there's so much new vocabulary and then there's so many like you know steps to break down and then there's the actual like physical side of drilling and yeah so yeah (laughs) (laughs) and you are on the cusp of turning pro um so you're to get to that stage you must throw in a hell of amount of of training every week what's the training like i mean what are you doing training most of your days or, or do you have to break it up into certain times of day or what way does it work so I actually like I quit my day job to kind of train full time, mm. um, you know, so I, I, I did I take a financial dent, you know, to chase the dream. But like, you know, sacrifices have to be made. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I, I like to do yoga daily because, you know, your mobility and flexibility is so important. It's also very good for the mind. And then, you know, try to do an S&C strength and conditioning session every day as well, you know, just to make sure we're staying strong and our muscles are always fired up. 
And then I like to, I'll, I'll take either one or two martial arts classes a day. Now, at the moment, it's a little different because I'm, you know, hyper focusing on the grappling side of things. Mm. Um, I Like I competed there and I did like nine fights over the space of nine months. And it was like crazy, crazy, like from fight camp to fight camp, from fight camp to fight camp. So like after I came back from Bahrain there in March, yeah. I said, you know what? I really want to like get my, my ground game to my stand up game. Um, so that's what I'm, I've been kind of focusing on. I've just been doing jujitsu every single day of the week now. Like I'm, I'm in the gym like five, six days a week. And then even when I'm not in the gym, I'm at home like studying. So yeah, yeah we, tra- we train like five, six days a week, two, three times a day. And then I go to work at night. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you work at night then? So I, I do security in the Brogue. Right. Okay. It's, yeah, so you're a busy woman. They're, they're, all, they're, they're also my sponsors, so like they they support me 100. percent Like mm. they show all my fights in the bar, and like they 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 sponsor me. They help contribute financially to like funding these tournaments that I've been participating in. So yeah, it's incredible. And carry on. Are there many female MMA fighters in Ireland? There are, in Cork like, in particular. Um, there are a few. Um, like. It's difficult because, you know, you you can say, okay, we have a few fighters, but then you have to take a lot of other things into context, like, you know, weight divisions, experience levels, stuff like this. So to get like a compatible training partner that you're actually going to like really benefit from Mm. is like a real struggle. But we do have a fantastic community like and like there is like... (sighs) Sparring with females is one thing, but like I have to say, like in my gym, we have a fantastic team, and the guys, like they don't look at me any different than you know, as if I'm just one of them. They don't see a female when they look at me. Yeah. So like you know, the pressure is put on me by them. They train with me. They work with me. You know, and some of the guys in my gym, they're very experienced, and then experienced with me as well. So they know like how much pressure to put on to make sure that I'm working, but they're not overwhelming. Do you know? Mm. So. And do you think, um, do you know, I know that every time Conor McGregor fights, there's the whole debate about um, MMA being a violent sport. So do you think that that perception of it is a turnoff for a lot of women? You see, it can be like, if, if you're not really educated around the actual sport, I can mm. completely understand how people will come to this conclusion. Yeah. But like, and that's, you know, I really, really would love people to understand that, you know, MMA, it's not, it's not a, it's not a malicious cage fight. It's not, there is a lot of hype around, you know, this trash talking over the internet. It's not my vibe at all. Mm. Like you'll see me walking into the cage with the biggest smile on my face and I'm the same getting out of it. Yeah, you know, we get in mm. there. It's, it's a really disciplined sport. It's a mix of like multiple martial arts so if anything I think the sport is more disciplined than the rest of them you know it's just if you're looking at it and you don't know what wrestling is or you don't know what jujitsu is you know you're seeing people rip each other apart and you know to to the untrained eye it can look you know scary and intense so I think you know we really just need to kind of educate more people around like what is actually happening when people step into the cage it's not wild it is a very very strategic disciplined sport and carry on before I let you go you are uh, preparing to go to Brazil to um to to train with Amanda Rebus is that right That's correct Well when are you heading off uh, so the 5th of August I fly out so yeah I know very 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 excited about that like um, yeah it's amazing incredible opportunity like that's going to be um, you know a bit help me upskill and again like the gym out there they have um 
you know, some of the best female fighters in the world. So there's no better place to kind of go and put yourself to the test. Absolutely. Well, best of luck with it. And you might let us know how you get on. And thanks for filling us in. That's Kerry-Ann Vernon. She's our Cork MMA fighter on the cusp of turning pro and heading over to Brazil next month to fight with one of the world's leaders in, in the sport. Thank you very much, Kerry-Ann. So if you are home today, uh, don't forget that the Corks 96 FM's exclusive online station, the Back Garden Festival, is back. We're streaming the biggest hits from this summer's headline acts with Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialist in sound this summer. Listen on our app or go to 96fm.ie. Now, if you're one of those people who just doesn't tan, regardless of what you do, <laughs> and you are a big fan of fake tan, then you might want to uh, get some tips from Audrey O'Neill, the tanning guru. Good morning, Audrey. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, Audrey. Um, bu- busy Enjoying season the for. No, <laughs> yeah, busy season for fake tan. Audrey, a lot of people would have um, got the spray tans done in the past, but now there's such a wide variety of fake tans available. I suppose a lot of people are doing them at home, um, and people have become a lot more professional in their own applications than they would have been years ago. So, um, do you know for anybody who is at home and they're putting on the fake tan, what's the kind of the the, 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 to start off with the basic um, that they need to start off with I suppose it's getting your skin ready is it? 100% you have to start with a clean canvas hmm. because putting tan over dirty tan or dry skin you're going to have a very poor result so there's loads of things on the market like you've got your tan erasers your tan removers another great thing to use is oil olive oil you can put it on your skin for about an hour if you want to remove a tan oh it'll dissolve the tan um, and then you just go into the shower and shower as normal I use the you, the, the scrubby gloves yeah. you can pick them up in any of the chemists another important thing for people is not to over exfoliate their skin coming up to doing their tan because what they're going to do is they're going to dry out their skin and I think because we've so, often been told, you know, exfoliation is key to getting a perfect application when it comes to fake tan. So you're saying to maybe not do so much exfoliation? Not over exfoliate. Now, when I mean exfoliate, go into the shower and you can use those scrubby gloves. Mm. If you use them every day on the run up to your to your tan or doing your own tan, your skin is going to be perfect. Over-exfoliating your skin is going to strip the natural oils from your skin. Okay. And that's not what you want to do. You want to hydrate the skin, but getting rid of any, you know, dry skin or patches or anything like that. Another great little tip, and I find it for mommies, especially of toddlers, always have very dry knees from being down on the ground playing with the kids. (laughs) Yeah. And that'll always come up in your tan because tan will cling to dry skin. So a great little tip is to have a little tub of Vaseline next to your bed at night and rub it on your knees before you go to sleep or your elbows or your heels, anywhere where your skin is dry. Mm. And, and that'll get rid of that. So, And Audrey, when you're putting on the tan, should you put on um, the moisturiser with it or is it more advisable to put... it? Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Sorry. I was going to say, like, do you put on the moisturizer before, or would you put it on along with it? Oh no, on the run up to your tan, and then the day of your tan, no oil or no uh, moisturizer because that will act as a barrier to the actual product on your skin. So a few days before you do your tan, moisturize your skin. The day of your tan, have a cold shower before you do it, and remove any any product from your skin. 
let the tan absorb after you apply your tan, especially at the moment, a great little tip is to use baby powder. Right. Where you bend. So where your arms bend behind your knees. But make sure your tan is dry before doing this. And why do you put the tan or why do you put the baby powder on then? What's the idea behind that? To absorb sweat. To absorb sweat. Yeah, because I was going to say now with this hot weather, obviously we're all sweating a lot more. And is there a chance then that the tan will become streaky? Uh, It'll wear in places where you sweat. So I say to my clients, especially in this weather, Buy a, a little um, a little thing of baby powder mm. and powder behind your knees at night. Anywhere you feel you're going to sweat, because let's be real, it's torturous at night. Yeah. And this sweat will affect your tan. So if you want to prolong your tan, use the baby powder at night or even during the day, you know, where you're going to, 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 to sweat. It just absorbs the sweat and it stops those, you know, white patches from forming on your tan. And Audrey, what if you're going on holidays and you're going to be in and out of the sea for the whole week? Like, is that going to affect your tan then as well? Well, it's it's it, it's not going to help it, but it certainly won't strip it. And the, tr- the trick to it is, if you go into the water, your skin is going to be soft when you come out. Don't dry your skin. Okay. Let your skin air dry, because if you're wiping your skin, you're wiping the tan off. Okay. Because the tan doesn't penetrate the skin. It's only on the first layer. So what you're trying to do is keep that layer hydrated and not to be rough with it. And don't be coming out of the sea and rubbing with a towel. Just let your skin air dry. And then obviously when you come back and uh, you want to get rid of the tan that you have, take it off and then get a new tan on before you go out to anybody and just pretend then that you've got the lovely colour when you're on your holidays. Absolutely. A double booking, one for going away and one for coming back. It's always great. And would people normally get a spray tan before they go on a week's holiday or would they just do it themselves now? No, it's a huge part of my business and especially for moms and that. Mm. I also find at the moment that people are going on holidays to enjoy themselves, especially after the lockdown. They're not into going out and laying out, you know, for seven or eight hours a day. So they want to go over there and have a tan and enjoy their holiday. And I think that's what people are doing. People are also trying to stay in from the sun. So they're opting for the spray tan and just, you know, using a very high factor while they're out there. And another thing is very important for your tan when you're out there is to use a cream or um, a milk as a sun cream, not an oil. An oil will strip your tan. Okay. Okay, so an yeah, oil so like I was sun saying, cream, yeah. Like as I was saying, if you want to get rid of a tan, soak your body in oil and then go into the shower and scrub it off. It'll It'll get rid of any patches of tan on your skin. So you don't want that in your sun cream. You want something to hydrate your skin, mm. not strip your tan. So that's a good little tip. Yeah, I know that I know of a girl who used to use Daz to get her fake tan off. A one uh, I used uh, bicarbonate of soda one one time to get it off my hands. But what would you yes, think about no, that's, is that? That's a really good one. The the bicarb, and you can put it on a little bit of lemon. Mm. And that will dissolve. But I really, the oil is fantastic. Oil will dissolve anything. Oil will dissolve a hard wax, you know, for waxing people. So it'll, it'll, it'll dissolve the little bits of tan. And then you just have to go in, scrub them when you're in the shower. And when you come out with a hard towel, just rub those areas and it'll come off straight away. Audrey, a question has come in here from Tilly. She says, hooked on the tanning conversation, my knees are like cream crackers due to having a toddler and being on the floor. Uh, when you're prepping your skin, how many days do you need to put the Vaseline on beforehand? 
It depends on how dry they are, really. Well, I mean, if they're like cream crackers, I'd say they're very dry. If they're dry. like cream crackers, <laughs> I'd give it a good week anyway. But I think everyone, it's a very easy habit to get into. If you have it on your bed stand, nightstand at night mm. and it's literally into your knees, onto your elbows and you have lovely soft knees and elbows and you don't have to worry about it then. Okay. But a, a prep your skin. If your skin's not in the best condition, give yourself about a week before you do your tan. You okay. know, and the more you put into it, the more you'll get out of it. Okay. So any kind of, um, so so when you're going on your holidays, the, the oil-based um, sun factor. Stay away from anything. Yeah. Anything with oil in it when you have a tan on you. It's going you, to take it off. Because it will strip your tan. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing, um, it's very important to keep your skin moisturized. Mm. Um, so use a moisturizer with no oil in it. I like, can I mention what I would recommend? Yeah. I recommend at this time of the year the Vaseline Intensive Care with Aloe Vera. It's a very hydrating moisturizer, but it's also um, it's oil free. Okay. And you can also double up as um, an after sun for when you go on holidays. So it's just important to keep your skin hydrated. And that's the moisture I would recommend at the moment because it's nice and light and it won't make your skin sweat. And I think we do have this tendency to get moisturizers that have oils in them because we think that they're going to be better for our skin and to moisturize our skin a lot better. So um, if we're doing the tan, no, no, no oil based moisturizer. What about for your face, Audrey? No. Do you know the way you'd be putting serum maybe on? on your face or something like that. So if you have the fake tan on your face... Your tan isn't your tan isn't going to last as long on, on your face because of the products we use on our skin. Like, there's a lot of hyaluronic acids in our products nowadays. Mm. So that's going to break down a tan faster. And what I recommend is having a little facial tanning um, to bring with you or a little bit of tan just to apply to yourself afterwards or even a little bit of bronzer will do the trick. Right, okay. And just, you know, um, but it won't, yeah. Yeah, we were talking there about trying to keep yourself cool and uh, facial mists. Would they be all right to use with the tan? Again, it's going to, I would try and stay away from things like that. I actually got the most amazing thing ever the other day. It's a neck fan. You hang <laughs> around your neck and it just, it's just lovely. I can't put it on now. I'm in the car sweating because I'm afraid I won't go through. But try and stay away from products like that on your face if you can. Okay. Um, but you know what? It's not the end of the world. We need to keep ourselves hydrated at the moment. So Absolutely. if you need to put on a spray, put on the spray. And, and get yourself it. a little neck a neck fan as well. <laughs> yes, they're amazing. All they're right. the best things ever. <laughs> or somebody texted in there a while ago about ice vests as well. So, <laughs> Oh, I got that for the dog the other day. I'm on it like a car bonnet <laughs> and I've got pants on it and coolers were all on it. <laughs> Fabulous. Audrey O'Neill, the tanning guru, thanks so much for joining us on the Opinion Line this morning with your tanning tip. 22 degrees at 11 o'clock in the morning. Can you believe it? <laughs> Hopefully we'll get out at some stage today to enjoy it um, keep your uh, keeping cool tips coming in to me on 0818 96 96 96 or 0833969696 Lily has been in touch to say I keep a hot water bottle in the fridge without the cover or just cold water and bring it to bed oh I like that so we're going to be going to bed with our merino walls and our cool hot water bottles Lily thank you very much for that and um 
Seven-year-old James has lost his teddy between the terminal at Cork Airport and the short-term car park and he lost it on Friday after the Carcassonne flight. The teddy is blonde holding a sword so if anyone has seen him or has him could you contact us here or hand into the airport lost and found. I hope you find your teddy James because I know how hard it is on little ones when they can't find their teddy. We were in a situation like that a couple of years ago when my son uh, left his teddy in a shop halfway between Dublin in Cork and I did a shout out on Twitter and some very kind lady from Cork did collect it and uh, brought Teddy the whole way from Erlingford down to Cork and I was very very grateful so I'm sure if anybody finds James's teddy bear that um, and, and give it over to the parents that they will be very very grateful for that. Now it's Traveller Pride Week and there are lots of events happening around the city and county to mark the occasion. Bridget Carmody is coordinator of the Cork Traveller Women's Network. Good morning, Bridget. Good morning. Bridget, um, one of the uh, events today is the raising of the flag. How significant is this event? Um, So uh, the Cork Traveller Women's Network and the Traveller Visibility Group will be raising the flag today, the Cork Traveller Pride flag, over City Hall at 12 o'clock. The raising of the flag represents the official start of Cork Traveller Pride Week. We've done this now for the past seven years and it's a very important part of Traveller Pride Week. Our flag is a symbol um, to people in our community and outside our community. The travellers are part of the city and very proud to be part of the community of Cork. Um, and it represents, as I said, an official start of Traveller Pride and there will be a programme of events running throughout the week to celebrate Traveller Pride Week. And Bridget, for people who are not familiar with the flag, can you describe it? Um, so it's a, a white background flag um, with, with red text on it saying Traveller Pride and there will be a symbol of um, a, a wagon wheel and it was it would have been, um, the flag would have been designed by Traveller Women from both uh, the Cork Traveller Women's Network and mm. Traveller's Visibility Group um, with a group in UCC several years ago um, and for us it represents travellers in Cork in the city um, and we fly it every year as part of the official Traveller Pride Week, which is a national, um, Traveller Pride Week is a national event um, and each, we each do local events then. Okay. Um, some of the events include, there will be a family fun day uh, on Wednesday in Fitzgerald's Park, all welcome. Um, and then there's other programmes of events throughout the week. The Cork Traveller Women's Network will be launching a photographic exhibition in the Art Centre. Um, on Saturday at four o'clock and the flag will fly for the week of Traveller Pride. Okay and um, the Pride celebration has been happening around the country Um, has it been good so far? It's been really good Uh, you know we've been keeping watch on them through Facebook and WhatsApp and I think this year all traveller organisations and travellers have really got on board to highlight um, the Pride within our community um, so it's been fabulous. It's been some fabulous events around the country. And Bridget, what does it mean to finally have Civic Cork celebrate traveller culture? It must be hugely significant. It's very significant for us. As I said, it's, it's an opportunity to show <clears throat> that travellers are part of the city. We want to be part of the community. I'm very proud of who we are and very proud that Cork City Hall will fly our flag um, for the week. Mm. 
Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And just you mentioned there about the Family Fun Day at Fitzgerald's Park. That's happening on Wednesday from 11 to 3. Uh, what's going to be happening at that? Um, there'll be there'll be different cultural events. There will be um, traditional flower making, um, traveller women. There will be um, cant workshops, mm. um, and then the, there's a lot of events for kids. And there's a pet zoo, and also the Cork Traveller Women's Network um, have a barrel top wagon in Cork Public Museum. Um, so we will have women there from the Cork Traveller Women's Network who will talk about the barrel top wagon and do the tours. Lovely. And everybody can go. Anybody's welcome to go to yes, that. Yes. Well, hopefully yes, you'll you'll have this lovely weather for it, Bridget. Hopefully the the sunshine will keep will keep going, and we don't have any rain on Wednesday. Now you mentioned uh, as hopefully. well. <laughs> you mentioned the photographic exhibition, and I believe that we will be chatting to you about that later on in the week as well. Mm-hmm. On the show, yes, so yeah, yes. so we look forward to to that, and uh, we'll be hearing again from Bridget Carmody later on in the week, and we'll maybe catch up with you then and find out how the week is going here in Cork as well. Yes, yes, thank you. Lovely, and best of luck with the flag raising today. Um, that flag is going to be raised over City Hall from uh, midday today. And I do remember when that flag was uh, first raised and uh, the design that went into the flag and it was a really significant day for the the traveller community. So um, hopefully people can come out and uh, support them uh, this week for uh, Traveller Pride Week. Now, we did get an email there as well from um, somebody who is um, kind of outraged I suppose at the delay it took the Gardaí to respond to an incident that happened uh, just off the city centre where a man was naked for over an hour stuck at a neighbour's door um, the ambulance crew were here before the guards even showed up uh, meant to, he was here at the door for over an hour before the guards but could not get involved before the guards showed up the man stood there naked all that time as kids were playing here why did the guards take so long in this day and age I'm not 100% sure why it took the guards over an hour and a half to arrive at that particular incident um, you know we've heard on the show so many times that Gardaí are under resourced and they may have been busy they may have been at other incidents I know there was quite a lot of things happening around the city over the weekend but I'm sure that was a very distressing uh, scene for a lot of people particularly if there was a lot of kids um, wandering around and looking at that man and what was going on um, we don't know the background to the story but um you know, if anybody has any um, idea as to why it took so long for the guards to arrive, they might let us know here on the opinion line on 0818 96 96 96 or 0833 96 96 96. Now, um, UCC alumna Molly Toomey has published her first book of poems called Raised Among Vultures and she's encouraging people to get more involved in modern poetry. Good morning, Molly. Morning, how are you? I'm very well, I'm very well. Thanks for joining me on the Opinion Line this morning, Molly. First of all, the name Raised Among Vultures, your family were asking questions about that, weren't they? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, of course they were. And naturally enough, I still get asked it every time I do reading (laughs) um, if my family are okay with it. Uh, But obviously, look, sure, my family are amazing and the title is in no way referencing them. (laughs) Um, They're incredible. So I suppose... The, the vultures really refer to kind of the dif- difficult aspects of society, I suppose, that you might face as a young person growing up in modernity, maybe darker um, and more kind of obstacles that you
in my face in society that you know even ideological beliefs that might kind of peck away at you um I suppose as you continue to grow and develop into adulthood was kind of more what I was referencing there (laughs) so (laughs) not so much not so much my parents or my two lovely brothers um so who are no doubt I suppose very proud of you and the fact that you have a book published um how are what's the reaction been like to the book Ah, it's been incredible. Oh my god, it's been amazing. I've had I've had such such lovely support. Um I was only just back in, in Waterford City there on Friday and the book centre had made this really gorgeous um book d- windows display which was just it just filled my heart. I was I was just probably one of the best things I've ever seen it was just so kind of them and people have been you know writing letters or you know sending me uh, comments or messages and everyone has just been so positive and supportive it's it's been such a gorgeous journey and I've been really really lucky that people have been so kind to me. And how did you get into poetry was it something that you were studying at UCC? Yeah, so I, I did my um, my undergrad and my master's in, in Cork. Um, I did my master's in creative writing, um, but I actually started writing in Galway. So I, I went to NUIG um, originally to do arts of creative writing, um, where it was in a class with uh, Kevin Higgins, and he introduced me to poetry. And I suppose at the time I was really struggling with my mental health. Um, and then poetry kind of became this, this friend um, and this way of, I suppose, expressing things that I couldn't... Um, um, and it stayed with me and I and I still use it to this day um, as something kind of, kind of more needed. Um, you know, just it just accompanies me really throughout my life. Um, and it's it's been life changing. And I'm really, really grateful to have found it, I suppose. Do you find that writing things down helps you to understand what's going on? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And to make sense of things. But sure, sometimes you end up with more questions than Mm. when you started. But that's grand. You know, like it's just, you know, life is so complicated and we're thrown with so many curveballs all the time. And I think it just kind of offers you a space to reflect and kind of think about what's going on. And, you know, uh, oh gosh, just just been such a support for me. And and I really do encourage people to write, like even if it's not poetry, like whatever is going on in your life, it's just you can really make more sense of it on a blank page I think than you can when you've got it running around in your head and it's doing circles and laughs. Mm. <laughs> and you don't you know, necessarily so you just, have to be a good writer quote unquote. Oh god no. You can just, yeah yeah. It's just right now not, your feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And who knows, like, who who says what a good writer is anyway, exactly. do you know? <laughs> so, yeah, it's powerful. It's powerful stuff. So. And you were saying that, um, you know, you were trying to encourage more people to get involved in modern poetry. Uh, like, what did you mean by that? Like, did you mean that um, you'd like to see more people writing poetry or maybe just reading poetry or understanding poetry? Yeah. And I suppose even if you think of it, like a lot of the songs that we have are poems in themselves. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think I, Ireland has such a rich history of poetry as well. But I do think that, you know, people often have had bad experiences in school or, you know, they just weren't encouraged or they just seen poetry as something they don't understand. Mm. Um, you know, which is fine. It's fine not to understand at home. But I do think that there's probably, in the same way, there's a song for everyone. You know, there's, there's probably a poem for everyone. And I do think, you know, we, we tend to pull them out at weddings or funerals, but they're, they're there, you know, for you as well and those private moments of grief or private moments of celebration like there's there's so many new and modern poets who are writing things that are you know really just really powerful 
and I just think it's a real unexplored tool for say the average person walking along just I just feel like there's such a world of poetry that they haven't even entered you know that could really offer them that extra I don't even know what it is an extra Mm. sense of being seen even you know because like I I have felt really seen through poetry through other people's poetry where you're just kind of connecting in a way that's that's private but also you feel you know I don't know again that sense of connection but in in private if that makes sense maybe you're not able to kind of go out and meet people but it kind of offers you that sense of rootedness as well I just think it's so powerful Fabulous and people of course can read your book Raised Among Vultures um, are you doing are you touring the country with it or what way does it work is it all done <laughs> online now <laughs> Yeah yeah it's great I've just been kind of reading here and there um, I'm reading now again in, in Armagh as part of the John Hewitt Society um, next week and um, it's just kind of whatever comes up I tend to tend yeah. to jump at it uh, so reading again in Cork um, in the coming months and things but no I can't remember even what date it is now but yeah. <laughs> It's just kind of hopping here, there, you know, wherever, wherever people are listening to me, I'll go. So Fabulous. my family we... are a bit sick of me at this stage. So. <laughs> Should we keep an eye out for you here in Cork anyway? You will be doing some readings in Cork over the coming months with your with I will, your book, I yeah. will. Yeah. Brilliant. All Brilliant. right, Molly. Thank you so much. Best of luck with it all. And uh, that's Molly to Thanks me. And the book, of course, is called Raised Among Vultures. We got an email from um, a listener to say that they regularly see skip misuse in a hotel here in Cork. Uh, Recyclable paper, cardboard, etc. thrown in with old wood and furniture. Electric items then in the same skip happening many months. Hotel seems to ignore me. As far as City Council is not very helpful from experience. Someone has to make an effort to stop blatant disregard for the law. I'm, I'm not sure is that something that other people are seeing around the place are people starting to misuse recycle bins um is it to do with the cost of recycle and waste collections now um or are people just not as interested anymore in in recycling their goods um thank you very much for that email if you have any views on that or comments it's 0818 96 96 96 or 083 396 96 96 also i'm being told we're getting reports of a Another Montessori school closure. Um, we are trying to confirm this as we do not want to start. Oh, yeah. So um, it's uh, we were speaking earlier there to uh, Stepping Stones in Farron Ree, and they were told uh, last week that um, the school was going to be closing. And they are. We were talking to Sarah, and there is a, a protest happening out um, outside the school. And indeed, we've been talking to Lane Dunn on the show about um, the difficulties that that childcare sector is in at the minute, and, and a number of places have been forced to close because of funding. So um, if we get any more on that report of another Montessori school closure, we will bring it to you. Um, and thank you for that. Now, there is an event happening this Saturday and it's to raise money for the air ambulance. Um, and joining me now to talk about it is Peter Merrigan, who is um, Porsche Club Ireland member and Air Code Challenge participant. Good morning, Peter. Morning, Fiona. Peter, the Air Code Challenge, what um, are you going to be doing for that? Well, basically, it's a, a collection of car nuts that are all members of the Porsche Ireland Club. And Sandra Golden had the idea 
that basically, instead of just doing a run, which we would normally do anyway, mm. that we would do one which would raise money for charity. And the charity chosen was the Air Ambulance, which is ideal. Mm. And we called it the Air Code Challenge because basically at each step along the way of the treasure hunt stroke mystery tour, the air codes will be given to the next one. Right. And in meeting with the air ambulance people, basically it was pointed out to us that air codes are absolutely essential in their work in that basically if you know what your air code is or if you come across an accident, say, on on the roadway, if you can guide the emergency services in by giving them the air code of the local area or the local house or the nearest house, well, then basically they will be there minutes earlier. Yes, so it is so uh, important to have that air code, isn't it, when you're ringing the emergency services? Yes. Now, there's one thing knowing your own air code, but you also need to know how to find the air code of where you are if you come across an emergency. Yeah. And that's very easy, realistically. You just go onto your Google on your mobile phone, search for air code finder, and logical steps will bring you along and you will find the air code of the nearest house to where you are. And this could mean the difference between life or death and getting an air ambulance in or getting an emergency service in. And this is basically why it's called the air code challenge. So, Peter, you and um, other, as you call them, car nuts, will be driving Porsches around uh, Cork um, and you're just following air codes, so you don't really know where you're going yet at this stage. No, 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 we haven't been told, basically. Uh, We've been given the first air code where to show up for the start. Yeah. Uh, That's as much as we know so far. And we will be given then a set of air codes and we have to drive there and maybe answer a simple question or take a photograph there and get your answers correct, get your, it's not a race. Right. It's basically take your time, enjoy your day, enjoy your drive. And it's a little different. Okay. And it's for good cause, a very good cause. Yeah, the air, air ambulance is such a worthy cause. Um, they have served, saved so many lives here in Cork and indeed around the, the entire province. Um, and Peter, um, the Porsche Club Ireland, um, the, so Cork has a Porsche Club. So what exactly do you guys do? Do you all just meet up and, and talk about your Porsches? Do you, do you drive around the place? <laughs> what exactly is well, the club about? Basically, the, 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 the Porsche Club Ireland is the overall body. And then we would have, like, we're in the southern region. We're members of the southern region. And Sandra Golden is the southern regional organiser. And every the, the second Tuesday of every month, there's a drive where we all get into the cars and just basically drive to somewhere nicely mm. and legally and maybe have a cup of tea then before we finish. And then approximately once a month, we'd have an organized all-day drive where we'd go someplace like we've been, say, to Valencia Island, had our lunch there, and then meandered back over some hills and the mountain passes of Kerry are a favorite of ours. Yeah. And so on. It's just a gathering of, I would just say, car nuts, people <laughs> who like driving, and we we tend not to do a lot of talking. We we just let our driving do the talking. And uh, uh, do you have any members? 
others, there's something like 400 members countrywide. Okay. And what about here in Cork? Are there many Porsches in Cork? Oh, there's probably 40. Right, okay. Um, no, they're, they tend not to be daily drivers. They tend to be cars that you would only take out on weekends and things like this. So there's some there's some 40 to 50-year-old Porsches still being driven around Cork City. Yeah, because I was going um, to ask you that. Like, do you have a normal day car and then the Porsches, the uh, the usually, hobby then? Yeah. Usually, being honest about it. And yeah. is that because yeah. they're expensive to run? No, they're no more expensive to run realistically than any any car, but um, they are expensive to buy mm. and to maintain. But like we we're, we're very lucky because Sandra Golden is married to Des Golden and Des Golden Cars looks after our Porsches down in, in Cork City. So that's ah, fabulous for us. So you can get them repaired and all down there then so you don't have to yes, send yes. them off elsewhere. You don't to have to repaired. bring them back to Dublin. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I suppose a lot of people would wonder, you know, it's called Porsche or Porsche. <laughs> have you got uh, the definitive pronunciation of the car brand? <laughs> well, technically, I think you are supposed to call them Porsche. Porsche, okay. Um, yeah, but... I call it Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because I was calling them Porsche and you were calling them Porsche. And I was like, okay, who's right? Who's wrong? He's the car nut. <laughs> there's, 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 there's no, there's right, no right and wrong in it, realistically. And a lot of the, the cars then that are in the club, Peter, would they be new cars? You mentioned there some of the cars could be like 40 years old. Like would, um, so is there a kind there's, of a mix? There's, there's a complete mix from basic, 40 year old up to present day modern cars mm. um, and it's, it's it's as long as you have a Porsche or a Porsche um, <laughs> you're welcome to be in and, and we've, we've members in the club who wouldn't own a Porsche mm. Oh really? Um, so what? They just come because they, they like the car and they They like the cars they like the camaraderie between the people and they, they like the, the drives mm. Well, fabulous. Okay, brilliant. Yep. Um, so will you be taking it out for a run now in this lovely weather? Well, we're looking forward to next Saturday anyway. <laughs> um, I'll be navigating, uh, but my co-driver basically will... We, we should have the roof down, hopefully. Lovely. Okay, well, fingers crossed. And So if anybody sees yeah. you driving around, I think there will be buckets out on the route as well. There so. will be buckets and we'll be glad of any donations straight to your ambulance. Mm. Um, and the same story we have a load of spot prizes for the winners and things like that as well alright ok and we don't know where you're going to be going so we just have to keep our eyes peeled on Saturday exactly it will be in the greater Cork area anyway I would say ok and what time does it kick off at? Uh, about 10 o'clock 10 o'clock ok and it runs all day then does it or? it runs all day yeah ok lovely alright ok well listen so- best of luck with it Thanks a million. Thanks All right. Million. Okay. That's Peter Merrigan from the Porsche Club Ireland. And he will be taking part in the Air Code Challenge on Saturday. And all the money raised is for the air ambulance. So if anybody is around and sees the cars and sees the buckets, they might like to support that. Thank you very much to Peter for joining us on the show this morning. And if you are at home today and you're working from home and you have no air conditioning, or if your place of work has no air conditioning, but they do have curtains, then here's another tip for you. Um, 
you could try cooling the air by soaking the ends of the curtains as long as they're made of washable material. Soak them in cold water, throw open the windows, draw the curtains and wait for the temperature inside to drop. In a hot environment, the water will travel up the fabric as it starts to evaporate um, and apparently any breeze then coming in from outside will cool as it passes through the damp fabric, <coughs> wafting into the room, making your room a lot more comfortable for you to, to work in and to relax in. So there's another one of our uh, heat tips for today. Now, uh, joining me now is um, Sarah Ryan Parcel from BlackRock, who has just been awarded the Gold Gashka Medal by none other than President Michael D. Higgins. And this was awarded at a special event at Orson Uchtaron. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, Fiona. How are you doing? I'm very well. I'm very well. What was it like to meet the president up in the Oris? It was surreal to say the least, I must say. Um, meeting the president and indeed his dogs. Um, <laughs> the dogs are ha- so we famous We had to get now. the photo opportunity. Uh, and yeah, did you get a photo with, with the dogs? Mishnock. Did we you get did a photo indeed, with them? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Fabulous. So tell us, um, Sarah, the Gold Gashka Award. I mean, I was reading through what you had to do to achieve this award. Um, and I'm actually tired just reading it. You certainly don't have productivity <laughs> paralysis, that's for sure. Just run through some of the things that you had to do. Yeah, so um, Goshke is the President's Award and it's a personal development programme for uh, young people aged 14 to 25. And what was involved in it really was 52 weeks of um, physical recreation. So I did tennis coaching for that. And then 52 weeks of a personal skill, which for me was piano playing. Um, And then 52 weeks of community involvement, which uh, for me again was um, singing at my local church every Sunday. Mm. And then a further 26 weeks of one of those three, you could pick which one. Um, I've actually kept going with all three, so I probably (laughs) fulfilled the criteria for that. And then there was a residential project, which I thoroughly enjoyed, um, which involved me going over to California for an eight-week internship. The requirement really is um, four days in an unfamiliar location with unfamiliar uh, people, uh, new people and new encounters and new experiences. And then the finally, then the adventure challenge uh, was a challenge, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, it was a four day hike, um, minimum 80 kilometers for walking or you could do a cycle too. You could kind of make it your own. And you did that along the Ballyhora Way? Yes, it was incredible. I really enjoyed it. Um, you could get all the maps online. It's a section of the Bera Brefna Way. Um, so it's kind of it goes throughout the country, but we did the section from uh, St. John's Bridge in Cork all the way to Tipperary Town. Um, not for the faint hearted, I must say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was uh, our day two was 30 kilometers over the Ballyhower Mountains and there were a few uh, close calls and, and would you have situations been, along like, Would you way. have done hikes before? Like, would you be familiar with the Ballyhorra Way before you embarked on this journey? Um, so none of us had done the Ballyhorra Way itself before, mm. um, but we, we were all fairly active um, people and really yeah. up for the challenge. Um, but we didn't quite realise what a challenge we were setting ourselves up for. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I actually went with um, a few students 
um, we're all in the same college course and we hadn't met each other before. So not only were we in a new place, we were with new people too. So it was uh, quite an experience. And Timmy, you went over to uh, the University of California, Santa Cruz. That must have been an amazing experience. Yeah. Oh, it was it was incredible. I, I keep saying to people, like, I came back a changed woman, um, <laughs> having been there with, like, like-minded students. So it was a it was a university program for science internships, and mm. there were 120 um, students all together. We were all aged between kind of 16, 18 years, and I did mine in the psychology lab where we were looking at child-robot interactions and whether young children think... Uh, robots are living things so that was the internship hours and we you know conducted experiments conducted Mm. research kind of read literature reviews whatnot but then after the internship was when the real fun began um we'd play sports together we'd go on kind of day trips or um especially at the weekend we'd make a trip maybe to san francisco or to the bay and um and then just playing cards then into the evening, just making friends really and making memories. And this really, uh, really the study that you did on um, whether or not children perceive robots as living things, like what kind of findings did you get from that? Um, they do. <laughs> they're, they're, especially, well, as it was kind of, it really tied in with our hypothesis. You know, they think they're living things, especially if they're younger students or if they see, like we used a robot that had kind of a face and had facial expressions. So they especially attribute living feelings to that robot. Um, But they think, you know, he has his breakfast in the morning and he goes about his day. Um, And that the level of autonomy too. I suppose in one sense, you could say they're predicting the future because robots will be more autonomous. Um, but I actually, I continued that project then from California and I brought it to Cork and I did uh, the same, pro- a similar study among um, nearly 400 students in Cork City. And mm. then I went to BT Young Scientists with that in uh, twenty. 20, just before the pandemic hit. (laughs) (laughs) And um, Well, that sounds brilliant and best of luck. Like, what's the future hold for you now? I mean, like, the world is literally your oyster. You could be doing anything. (laughs) That's it. I'm kind of keeping all of my options open. As I said, I'm continuing with all the the areas of the Goshka Awards and also, actually, I hope to stay involved with Goshka. I know they're um, launching a new initiative this week the Goshka Golden Voices community. So they're asking uh, gold awardees to get in touch with them because they'd like to kind of touch base and form a network of gold awardees so that we can encourage more people to take part in the Goshka journey and just along their journey of self-development. So I'll be going back to Mary I now, reinvigorated (laughs) and ready to help the the next cohort um, achieve the goals or even just begin the the step along self-development and community involvement and active citizenship. So um, You're a great role model. So listen, Sarah, best of luck with <laughs> that. Um, it's amazing what you've done and uh, good luck for the future. And thanks for talking to me on the Opinion Line this morning. That was Sarah Ryan Purcell from BlackRock here in Cork.
Now, earlier I was speaking to Audrey, the tanning guru, about um, applying fake tan in the sun um, or in the summer, especially in the heat and if you're going on holidays. And someone has been in touch with us via WhatsApp to say, I love this product. It's called Tan Lux, the face, illuminating self-tan drops. Instead of foundation melting on your face, you spread it with your own moisturiser. Thank you very much for that. I must try that, actually, because there's nothing worse than wearing foundation in the sunshine and it's just melting as you say melting off your face and you feel like you're you, you can't breathe with it on so I must try that thank you very much that is for anybody who wants to know it's tan looks the face and it's self tan drops that you mix in with your moisturiser now there is an event happening um, in Cork uh, and it's called Kindred Spirits Ireland it's a festival um, that's happening here and it's a collaboration among indigenous Irish hosts and representatives of First Nations from the Americas and around the world. And joining me now to talk about it is we have James Desmond who is one of the organisers and we also have uh, Yaman um, um, or Amon, sorry, um, who is the organiser for the First Nations delegation who arrived in Cork yesterday. Good morning Amon. It's Jamin, uh, Jamin Shively at your oh, service. No. Oh, sorry, it's Jamin, is it? Okay, sorry, okay, right. Uh, so Jamin, apologies for that. Uh, and welcome no to worries, Cork. No Thank you. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. So you arrived yesterday, is that right? I actually arrived on uh, on Friday and or Friday night. Um, uh, and we love it here so much. We're thinking of moving here. <laughs> well, the weather's not always like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. Thank and, you. And James, it's, just tell me, first of all, I'll come back to you in a minute, Jamin, but uh, James... What exactly is this festival? Um, you know, it's it's um, it's a collaboration, as I said, between First Nations from the Americas and around the world. Um, what kind of issues are you going to be discussing at the festival? Well, first and foremost, it's, more, it's, it's actually a celebration. Rather, it's not actually it's it's, it's a, not a festival. It's a celebration. And um, what we're really what the, the heart of the real idea of this celebration is the. The, is based on the original Choctaw gift to the people of Ireland during the famine, mm. and then how that story has stood the test of time and memory, um, especially uh, notably when the um, the Kindred Spirits uh, Choctaw Monument was put up, uh, you know, by the people of Cork in 2015 to remember that special gift. And only recently, in the, the recent COVID pandemic at the start of 2020, when um, the Irish people heard. Uh, by a tweet, actually, that went out. There were two tweets originally went out, and uh, the Irish people heard and saw the plight of the Navajo and Hopi's people who were suffering t- terribly um, uh, with, you know, disproportionately the highest numbers per capita of uh, of deaths and infections on their uh, reservations. They have no running water in, their, in their, most of their homes and electricity. Mm. And, uh, you know, they're dealing with serious issues, and they weren't getting any assistance either from their own government, and they still aren't to this day. It's all being held up with red tape. So actually, at the moment, the Irish people are still contributing to the Hopi and Navajo Foundation. Um, and it was because of that and because of just because the Irish people saw the, the opportunity to reciprocate on the original Choctaw gift that, you know, people, we, we began to realise, I mean, people realised that the Choctaw gift is a very special thing. But now, 
we're realizing that the story is continuing. The, the Choctaw gift has been paid forward, which mm. is a uh, First Nations tradition to look after the land and to pay forward and look after so that it looks after and takes care of seven generations ahead. And I think that the Choctaw Nations gift has proved that, you know, generations ahead, well, here we are. And the Irish people, is, you know, have um, had an opportunity to reciprocate now when the First Nations peoples are at their most need. So the gift is so beautiful that the First Nations, the leaders of the, some leaders from the Navajo um, and the Choctaw, Cherokee and Sioux Nations have arrived in Cork to come down to Middleton tomorrow at the Kindred Spirits to join in a celebration with the people of Cork. They want the people of Cork to come out and to celebrate and share thanks with them because mm. it's shared thanks that we need to do now and the most important and the most valuable lesson that we can all learn out of this now is that this gift of this gift of kindness and generosity and com- compassion being paid forward through generations has stood the test of time and it's no time when the world is in such crisis at the moment that it's time now that we all peoples come together that we must all remember as chief phil lane jr says we are all one human family we are all indigenous of Mother Earth, and that we need to come together now at a time when the, when the world is in such crises, and it is because of our own making, and because of the simple fact that it is of our own making, this means that we can unmake it as well, and undo the damage that we've done, or at least come together and try to do that. And none of it begins unless, it come, unless we come together in conversation, and therefore that is why the conference then at 3 o'clock in, in Silver Springs uh, Conference Centre later that day on Tuesday, Mm. is the continuation of the celebration in the morning. And all people are welcome to come and join either in person or via on Zoom. There will be Zoom links and uh, live Facebook streams up as well for the whole conference. And the celebration will continue in Silver Springs and go into the conversations that we all need to, basically the realities we need to face up to in life and um, come together to see if we can actually come together as one human family and try and face our problems together instead of tearing apart at each other, which is what we seem to be doing at the moment. And Shaman, as you heard there, um, as James mentioned, the Choctaw Nation's gift and what it means, I mean, it must be hugely significant for you and the delegation who have arrived over in Cork. Are you there, Shaman? Shaman? Oh, yes. Can, can you hear me okay? I can hear you, yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, the the, the the Choctaw gift, as James mentioned, is a gift that's that's paid forward now almost two centuries ago and has created this beautiful bond and connection between the people of Ireland and the people of the First Nations of the, of the Americas. Um, and it is a, a gift and a connection based on the spirit of generosity and kindness. And that has tremendous significance, not only for the peoples of the First Nations of the Americas and the Irish people, but it is something that we are now offering as a gift to the entire world. And that gets right to the heart of both the celebration and the conference which follows, all happening tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, and then followed by three days of continued conference, but on Zoom. So in person tomorrow, uh, as well as on Zoom tomorrow, Tuesday, and then followed by uh, Wednesday through Friday on Zoom so that the entire world has an opportunity to connect and share and 
build upon this beautiful example and gift and the spirit of generosity and kindness. And have you been out to Middleton in Cork to see the um, the, the monument that's built out there, the, the Kindred Spirit Sculpture? Oh, you know, I haven't actually had a chance yet. We've been so busy receiving all of our guests who've been flying in from different parts of, of the United States uh, and meeting with our, our hosts here in Ireland. So I yeah. have not been out there yet, but I've seen beautiful pictures and it is absolutely spectacular. I'd say, yeah, you're looking forward to going out to see it tomorrow. Yes, yes, yes. The the, the Kindred Spirit Sculpture in Balak Park in Middleton Township from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. is the celebration. Then we take a two-hour break, followed by the conference starting at 3 p.m. at the Silver Springs Hotel here in Cork on the east side of Cork. And how many are in the delegation? How many people have arrived over here? We have seven uh, from from various First Nations uh, from the United States, uh, five from the Navajo Nation who are coming to express their gratitude to the people of Ireland. And they will lead us in prayer and in dance and music. And, and on behalf of the entire delegation, I am honored to invite everyone here in Ireland to join us. Come by whatever means, but please come. And those, those who, who, for whatever reason, cannot travel, please join us on Zoom. The Zoom meeting will start at 3 p.m. The in-person celebration will start at 10 a.m. And everyone is invited to both the celebration and the conference which follows. And if people do want to join you on Zoom, how do they do that? Yeah, so they go to the following website, kindredspirits.earth kindredspirits.earth and the Zoom link to join will be posted there uh, as of tomorrow. Yes. Um, as well as the link to the to the Facebook live stream. Okay, brilliant. Well, listen, enjoy your time in, in Ireland and particularly in Cork, Jamin. And um, good luck to Thank you and you. all of your delegations. And I hope you enjoy your visit out to Middleton. It's beautiful and the sculpture is amazing out there. It's just as you're coming into the town. So um, enjoy that. And James, thank you so much for joining us and letting us know. And if anybody wants to, to join that Zoom, it is kindredspirits.org. Um, and that's an event that's happening in here in Cork over the next few days um, and that's more or less it for today I was going to bring you one more uh, keeping cool tip if you are we were talking earlier about um, not maybe eating high protein foods like meat and cheese so the barbecue may not be a good idea because they're hard to uh, digest but we've also been told that um, mangoes may be appealing on a hot day but uh, mangoes are diuretics meaning that they make you need to urinate more often and it should be avoided as they remove water from the body and could leave you dehydrated so the same applies to asparagus fennel and artichokes frequently found in summery salads mangoes are also high in sugar and generate heat in the body during the digestive process so if you are making a salad instead of having your um, barbecue today then maybe avoid putting mangoes into it and maybe asparagus fennel and artichokes so stick to the old uh, lettuce and tomato and cucumber and you can't go wrong. Thank you very much for joining us on the Opinion Line today um, the show uh, will be up as a podcast if you missed any of it it will be on the 96FM website later on this afternoon, that's 96FM.ie
E. And just before I go, um, Eugene was in touch um, on Friday. PJ had mentioned Murphy's Law um, and Eugene wanted to say that Edward A. Murphy Jr. Um, is what Murphy's, is who uh, Murphy's Law is named after. And his anniversary is July 19th, 1990. So that is going to be, um, uh, tomorrow is is the 19th isn't it yes tomorrow is July 19th so um, if anybody was wondering about Murphy's Law that's where it comes from and the anniversary to mark that day is on tomorrow and if anybody wants to get in touch with us um, overnight or across the evening you can also uh, you can always email us it's opinion at 96fm.ie and I will be back tomorrow and for the next couple of weeks and thank you today to the team who joined me here Fergal Barry Richard Vickery and Wayne Hilton Enjoy the sun. Uh, Stay safe if you are out and about and we'll talk again tomorrow. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.